Have you signed up for the Blue Wire newsletter yet? Well, now is the perfect time. If you sign up, you can win prizes every month. I'm talking prizes like gift cards, free merch, and cold, hard cash. In celebration of American Prodigy's third season, you can win some sick Blue Wire merch. Sign up today and immediately be entered to win. All you have to do is click the link in the description box below for more information. All right, Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Wednesday, so it is not mailbag day, but today we're going to make it mailbag day. So a little impromptu mailbag, and here's kind of the reasons why. So we are going to go through, I am in the process of finishing up sort of my spring schedule, right? So Notre Dame starts spring practice in about 22 days so it's about three weeks as as of friday it'll be i think their first practice is on a friday so it'll be three weeks from friday and we're kind of going through our schedule and all the content i've got like 100 articles that i've got to schedule and sort and go through and we're going to come up with sort of our our spring preview podcast schedule and that's all going to kind of start tomorrow and friday so Today, I was like, you know what? Let's just have an impromptu mailbag and and see what's on the people's minds. And I've had a lot of people ask me, are you going to talk about this? You can talk about that. So I'm going to give all of you a chance to kind of discuss that. So uh, there may be a period of time where I have not had really eaten anything today. It's been kind of a crazy, busy, hectic day. So there may be a chance where I grab one of this, this banana. Uh, these are so good, by the way, banana cream pie puff. So if you like... Um, I'm trying to think of like the different types of candies. I'm not normally like a marshmallow guy. These are actually have some marshmallow in it, which is really good. It's a protein bar, all right, from Built, which I just ordered. I got my strawberry and my banana cream pies in, so I'm very excited. The strawberry is good. First time I tried it. And, of course, I love the banana cream pie, so it's definitely my my favorites list. I need to get Vince. Vince is going to be emceeing the show today. He's not going to be joining me, but he's behind the scenes producing the show today. I should say not emceeing. He's producing the show today, so I, Vince, I got to get you some of those banana cream pie built bars. So let's rock and roll, Vince. You ready to get going? Let's get this thing going. Let's get some questions. So Q Kibbs kicking things off. I chatted with Vince the other day and agreed to also wear the Michigan shirt if Dante Moore commits. I really hope it doesn't fall over the blue uh, fall over the blue game, blue and gold game. But if it does, so be it. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see you and Vince rocking the. That hideous maize and blue. So, yeah, I hope it doesn't happen. If it happened at the blue gold game, it would like happen during the blue gold game. So, you wouldn't have to worry about it till like after the fact. So, you won't have to be, you're not going to be in Notre Dame Stadium rocking Michigan stuff. And hey, here's the thing nobody said it had to be your external layer. I'm just saying. So, you got to think ahead. Vince is all fired up down there. No one said it had to be on the outside. I just said you had to wear it. That's the key. So, if you're at the blue gold game and he commits the day before that day and you got to rock the. The Michigan stuff, nobody says it has to be the outside layer. All I'm saying. You could throw on, see this shirt right here. Vince put that down. You could take one of these, but one of these IB shirts, right? Right here. You could buy one of these in the merch store, put that over top of your Michigan stuff. You're good to go. You're honoring the deal. And so that that is the key. You're honoring the deal. 
John A1, finishing finishing has been brought up with players like Adam Yola, Julian Aguara, Dalen Hayes. If Al Washington holds the standard coach Elson established in technique, is finishing the one area he can improve? Yeah, I think so. I think there's two areas, John, that I think that 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 I think Al Washington can really bring improvement to Notre Dame. And again, when I talk about this, this is not like taking a shot at Mike Elson. Mike Elson did a really good job at Notre Dame, but I think there's two things that I think we're lacking at Notre Dame, really, and and consistently lacking. Well, three. And number one, I think that they got to get better with contain, especially when it comes to quarterbacks in the pass game. We and it wasn't just this past year; we saw it under Clark Lee as well. When they played a mobile quarterback, they were more prone to giving up the free run scrambles than 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 other teams. Because look, guy, quarterbacks like that give everybody some problems. But I felt like when I break down film, Notre Dame had more of a problem with it than other teams did, and I think that needs to be addressed. That's something that can be fixed. So being able to, you know, to maintain your your pass rush lanes, be able to get off blocks when the quarterback does take off and get to the ball. Number two is what we discussed. It's finishing, right? I, I feel like they've missed so I mean, even though they had 47 sacks, which is the most team sacks Notre Dame has had in over 20 years, at least about 20 years, at, at least I felt like it's been over 20 years. I felt like the problem was they missed on too many sack opportunities. And and I think of, I think of the, the, the and it wasn't just the D line, but just in general, but the D-line's part of it. But you think of the Big 12 or the 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 Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. It's it's 28 to was it 28 to 3, I think is what the score was. And I think first down of that last touchdown drive right before half, JD Bertrand on first and ten's got the quarterback dead to rights and just misses on him. Guy scrambles, moves the chains, they go down the field, score, and it's 28-10. Then they come out, or 28-7. Then they come out. Next, you know, first half, first drive of the third quarter, get a score. It's 28 21. It's a ball game. You get that sack on first down, that drive's probably over. And Notre Dame takes a 28 7 lead in the halftime. Those type of plays you just you, you can't miss on as often as Notre Dame misses on. I think finishing is a big part of this, not just in sacks, but also in run game, tackles for loss. Those are things that really help you really put up much better numbers because it's not just about the one minus three play. It's what that minus three play represents. If you get a run stuff opportunity and you don't miss on the guy. And so instead of, you know, you getting for a three yard loss, he runs, he makes you miss and he goes and just gets a yard. It's second and nine. You're like, ah, it's still good. It's still second and nine. Second and nine doesn't throw the offense off schedule the way that second and 13 does. So then that, that play then impacts the next play, which then impacts the next play. And that's why those things are so important. The third thing that I think Coach Washington can and needs to improve upon is they need to advance their pass rushing repertoire. The one thing that the D-line was great at during Mike Elson's tenure, especially the last few years, is really just that, you know, this getting that that inside. So when you're pass rushing, you get that inside arm and you just lock that guy out because he's had some incredibly long defenders. And you just lock that guy out. You get up under his chest, you push him back, and then he loses his base and you just drive him back, and then you get around the edge, and you can beat him around the edge. At some point in time, you disengage, and you get to the quarterback. Almost all of Isaiah Foskey's sacks last year came on that. A lot of the sacks they have come on that. What Notre Dame hasn't done a good enough job is is winning on secondary moves, counter moves, things along those lines. And when teams are able to kind of limit that power rush or that just straight edge rush, the pass rush has had a tendency to disappear. 
And I think advancing the, the, the hand play, the double moves, the counters, not just relying on that one move all the time are things that I believe that this defensive line needs to improve, needs to improve upon. Not just can they improve, they need to improve. And if Al Washington can establish that and, and bring an advanced pass rushing repertoire, uh, really it's not just a pass rushing repertoire, it's just a winning repertoire because sometimes it's going to benefit you in the run game. But I especially have have pass game plays in mind when I when I look at that type of play. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jojo Pineda, happy Wednesday, IB Nation. Hi, Brian. I think if Chris Vazina wants to commit and he's ready, Coach Reese and Freeman should contact more and say, we want you. Join us. If not, sorry, but we can't wait. Jojo, that's a really interesting scenario, and I, I kind of agree with you on that I, i've said plainly and i i, I want to address the vizina dante more topic even more we're going to break down the quarterbacks tonight in our film room tonight at eight o'clock with myself and ryan roberts we call it a little bit of an audible we're going to do quarterbacks tonight and then jump into receivers next week so I've gone on record as I'm I'm on the Dante Moore. I'm all in on Dante Moore, and I think that's the direction that our enemies to go. And I wholeheartedly believe that. But I, I think that what's what's happened is is with some, it's kind of turned into a if you're on the Dante Moore train as I am, then you're sort of you kind of start there's people looking at Chris Vazina negatively as if oh, man, it's disappointing if they take him or they get him and things along those lines. And look, the reason I'm on the Dante Moore train is because I think Dante Moore can be special. I think he's a program-changing kind of kid. That's my opinion. But I also understand where the staff would be if if Vizina wants to commit. And I think the whole Vizina committing to Notre Dame thing is being overplayed a little bit. I don't know where that came from, but I don't think he they lead for Notre for Chris Vazina. Now, could that change when he visits in March? Sure. But as of today, February 23rd, I don't think Notre Dame is Chris Vazina's leader. So I don't know why we're talking a lot about that. But for the purpose of your question, Jojo, if they got Chris Vazina, that wouldn't be what I would do. But that's not something I would criticize the Notre Dame staff for. That is a good football player. He's the number two quarterback on my board. I grade him higher today than I graded Drew Aller out at the same time a year ago. And if you remember, Drew Aller was the guy that I wanted in last year's class. It was him and Sam Horn were the two guys that I liked the most in last year's class. I mean, I liked, I liked Gavin Newsom, and there was a lot of plays I liked, but as far as for Notre Dame, 
those are the two guys that I wanted that should have been on the board. And, and then we, we remember what happened. So you're talking about getting a guy, Chris Fazina, that I view as an even better prospect than Drew Aller. I think that speaks volumes about what kind of player Chris Fazina is. He's a top 50 to 75 caliber player that has a, a, an even higher ceiling. I think you could make a case that if we're just talking pro prospect, that maybe you could make a case that he's an even better pro prospect. I don't really care about that. I care about who's going to be the better college player. And I think Dante Moore is, is to me, Dante Moore is, I mean, he's in that Bryce Young type of categories of prospect. I mean, that's how I view Dante Moore. And, and so that's why I would wait for him. But I, I understand where Notre Dame is coming from. And so in your specific scenario, JoJo, back to that, if Chris Vizina wanted to commit, or even if we felt he wanted to commit, like he's like, hey, coach, you know, let's t- chat tonight. And I think he wants to commit. I, I, I would call Dante. And, and talk to him and say, listen, here's the deal, man. This guy wants to commit. We need to know where we are with you. You know, do you want to be here? You know, whatever. And not even necessarily make Dante commit on the spot or pressure him to committing, but just really try to have that come to, you know, that that heart-to-heart, you know, deep talk of, hey, man, where are we with you? Do you really want to be here? Is this the place you want to be? And if he says yes, then you're great. You, you, you feel like you're going to get Dante more. But if he says Coach, I don't know. I need several more months. I want to take all my officials. Then you can say, hey, you know, hey, look, we're, it's just not worth the risk. We can't turn down a kid like Chris Vizina. He's too good to say no to if we're not certain on this other kid. And so in that situation, JoJo, I think that you'd have to have that conversation with, with Dante Moore before you accepted a commitment from Chris Vizina. And here's how you handle that. Somebody said, well, what if, what if he wants to commit during his visit on March 4th? Probably not going to happen, but if it does, and that's happened before where a kid commits and you're not expecting it, what you do is you say, hey, listen, you know, we're excited, okay, but but go home. You know, you've got a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, all that. Go home, talk to your parents, pray about it, really make sure that this is what you want to do, right? And I think you should do that anyway. I, I'm not a big fan of the of the accepting commitments from kids that, that do it sort of a, during the emotional aspect of a visit. I want to know that you go home and 24 hours later, you're still as convicted about it as you did before. If that's the case, that kid's going to be a lot less likely to flip down the road. And and I think he's going to respect the fact that you asked him to do that. So I would do that whether I'm going to call Dante Moore or not. I mean, that's, that's just kind of how I would do it. But to your point, I would say, yeah, let's, let's, during that period of time, that's when you call Dante Moore and you have that conversation. If the staff chooses to do so, they may view it as it's so close that, you know, you just take whoever wants to come first. I can only tell you what I would do. And and I've made my opinion on Dante Moore very, very well known. Kevon says, what's one player on each side of the ball with a good spring that can take themselves from out of the two deep to an impact player? That's a good question, Kevon. One player on each side of the ball with a good sprain that can take themselves from out of the two deep to an impact player. You know, I, th- I think that the first place I'm going to look at is probably running back and and say, you know, like Audric Estime is a guy that with a big spring could kind of go from played in like one game last year where he got carries to being a, a regular part of the rotation and an impact player. I think he would be a guy that that could fall into that category 
a lot of the other guys that kind of pop in my head are guys that were in the two deep last year. So it's a little harder to go with them. Like Deion Colsey is a guy that kind of pops in my head. Some of the other guys that would, I would normally go with like Kane Barong is a guy that popped in my head, but he's probably not going to play in the spring because he's coming back from the knee injury. So he's not really a guy either. I, th- I think the only other one that I would probably look at offensive lines, another one, like, you know, my, my thought would be Rocco Spindler, but he was in the two deep last year. So if if we're going to say specifically not in the two deep, then I'd probably go with Audric Estime at running back would probably be my best bet. Defensively, you know, that's kind of where it gets a little bit more intriguing because there's a few names I would kind of look at. Number one, I would I would want to look at, at you know, Gabriel Rubio is a guy that I have in mind as someone who could maybe be a bit of a breakout player this spring. I'm hoping that Aiden Keanu kind of makes a charge this spring. And then Alexander Ehrensberger, who was technically the third string end last year. He'd be another guy that, unless there's some position moves to big end, and, and there there's a chance that there will be, good chance there will be some big end moves, one or two of those moves, then I'd say you know, he'd be another guy that I would consider. But the other position is the corners. You know, Ryan Barnes, Philip Riley, Chance Tucker. I think all three of those, and I don't count Ryan Barnes as part of the two deep. He got moved into the two deep at the end of the season when there were some injuries and some other things going on, he wasn't in the two deep all season. He'd be another guy. Those three, the three rising sophomores would be guys that I would look at and say, Hey, I think those are, those are players that could go from not being in the two deep to maybe potentially having a shot to be impact players. But I would go estimate. And one of the D linemen would probably be my top choices. We have a two part super chat here from Ryan Michael. All right. He says part one, if Vizina wants to commit after the visit, or Notre Dame thinks he's about to, do you think they have a conversation such as, I think it's going to be like the other one. Hey, Dante, we want you in our class. You are QB1. Vizina wants to commit, but if you want to be here, would you rather, uh, we would rather have you if you're willing to commit now. Yeah, that's that's kind of what, that's along the lines of what JoJo asked. And I appreciate the super chat, Ryan, uh, Michael, very much so, but it just comes down to how you evaluate those two players because, I'm confident in saying that Dante Moore is the number one player on the board for Notre Dame. I'm, I'm very confident in saying that. But being the number one player on the board doesn't mean that you're so far ahead of the number two guy that you, you know you're not going to take that call. Because there's a lot of positions where you know you got your one, two, and three guys. You're just taking a commitment from the first guy that wants to to join of that group. Receivers a lot like that. There's like six guys on the board that they'll take a commitment from any of those guys if they want to come. And, and so I don't know what, how Notre Dame views that. I know me, I can only speak for myself. I would have that conversation. Absolutely. I would have that conversation and, and, you know, it might be something where you could even kind of, you know, use that to your advantage leading into Chris Vizina's visit. Like, Hey, look, man, we, we think there's a chance he may commit, but whether we take that or not, it's going to depend on just the, this conversation with you and not even, are you willing to commit now? But you know, where are we really have that heart to heart of, of where do we stand with you? Are, are, are we your team? I mean, I, if you need more time, I understand if you want to take a couple of visits in April, we understand, but are we, are we your team? You know, what, what are your thoughts about Miami and Michigan state and Michigan and Ohio state and teams like that, you know, really get a feel for where you stand. And if you don't feel, if you really genuinely feel like it's still going to be a battle, then I think you'd, you'd be almost foolish to not take Chris Vizina, to be honest with you. And, but if you feel like we're the team to beat, he just wants to go to a couple more places and, and you feel confident in the relationship you've built, which I know that Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman are probably feeling pretty good about the relationship they have with Dante Moore, 
then I think at that point in time, you, you know, you 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 have that conversation and and be because at some point in time to get the best of the best, you've got to be willing to see these things through. You have to. You have to be willing to see this through every now and then. It's not something I would suggest doing every year. It's not something I suggest doing with every recruit at quarterback in this particular year with this particular prospect. With it being Marcus Freeman's first year, I'd be more willing to to wait it out than I have in the past. But at the same time, as I've said, it's like this. I know what I would do. I would I would see it through for Dante Moore. If the Notre Dame staff decides to not do what I would do, sometimes I'll hammer them for it because I think it's the wrong decision. If they decided to take a commitment from Chris Vizina, I would simply say I would have done this, but and then we talk about how good Chris Vizina is. I'm not going to hammer them for it. I, I'm not going to crush them for taking Chris Vizina because that's a that's a good football player, a really good football player. It's just it's a disagreement on strategy. But you're at the end of the day, you're getting what you needed, which is a talented quarterback. And I think Dante Moore is a five-star now. I think he's going to be a five-star in college. Chris Vazina is more of a four-star now in my grade with a five-star ceiling. So to me, there's a little bit more risk there. Whereas Dante, to me, is, again, he's a Bryce Young type of player for me. That's, that's how I see Dante Moore. He's bigger than Bryce, but similar. he's more athletic than Bryce, similar arm talent similar mind for the game, really smart kids. So that's why I would take him over anybody else, but I'm also not going to crush Notre Dame if they decide to go in a different direction. Michael Keeley, considering Buckner was used in a limited package last year, is it beneficial that there isn't a ton of film on his skill, full skill set going into the Ohio State game as opposed to us having plenty on Stroud? You know, Michael, I – I think it's an advantage. I don't think it's a game-changing advantage, so I'm hesitant to say yes simply from the standpoint of I don't want to make it seem like, you know, Notre Dame's going to win by 30 now because they don't have film on Tyler Buckner. I don't I don't think it's that kind of advantage. I think it's more of just a you know, maybe you can catch them with a couple things and you can maybe come out of the gate a little faster and throw some stuff at them to kind of get them on their heels because they're not expecting to see certain things or because they are maybe overplaying the run and you can maybe set up a couple of big plays in the pass game. So I think it's an advantage to the point that maybe Notre Dame can sneak some big plays on them early or sneak a, a drive or two where they can get some points on the board early. I think it's an advantage there. But but by the time you get to the second quarter and halftime, that advantage is gone. And I point to the Fiesta Bowl as a great example. You know, Notre Dame came out against Oklahoma State and threw some stuff at Oklahoma State they weren't ready for. I thought Tommy Reese's game plan was masterful. I thought his play calling was masterful. And they just shredded a top five defense. But then by halftime, Oklahoma State had adjusted, said, okay, here's what they're doing, and here's what they're doing well, here's what they're not doing. And they were able to make some plays and go make enough stops to allow their offense to get back in the game. So I think in that regards, you know, I I think it's an advantage, but it's not a – it's not a giant advantage, but if you can sneak a score too early, and the reason I ended up saying ultimately said yes, if you can sneak a score too early, that could be the difference in the game. So, yes, in that case, it, it is an advantage, in my opinion. Sean Green, I saw on the LL Lucky Lefty podcast about past players being welcomed back to campus for the spring game and other events. How big of an impact will it make to have former players back in the, those situations? We've talked about it here too, Sean, and we talked about it the other day. I think it's huge. You know, and and this is coming from 
you know, this is kind of coming from the situation of Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman gets Notre Dame. And I'm trying, I'm trying to think about the right way to say this, because I don't want this to turn into like a petty taking shots at Brian Kelly, every chance I get situation. But the fact of the matter is, is that I, I can tell you from firsthand discussions, like me having conversations with a lot of alums over the years, they never felt, they never clicked with Kelly. They never felt like they were important to Kelly. The times that he would kind of bring them in, they felt like he was just, they were just, he was just using them to kind of, you know, do accomplish something that he wanted. And then it was just like, it was back to the way it was before. The university does not treat the alums very well. To be honest with you, this isn't just a Brian Kelly thing. You know, I was told about a, a player that's a all-time great on a national championship team that, you know, canceled his season tickets because, number one, their names makes him buy his season tickets, which, you know, no past All-American. That should be one of the rewards for me. If you get named All-American in their name, you should never have to buy season tickets. Like, we'll give you four, two to four for season tickets, something like that, every year. But he canceled his season tickets because of all the things of the way the university was treating alums. You know, hey, look, you've got to pay this, plus you've got to pay this fee on top, and you got to do this, you got to do that. And it's just like, you know what? Like, forget this, you know? And, and I think on top of the fact that they didn't feel welcome in the football program, I think factored into it. So with Coach Freeman seeking those guys out, I can tell you from talking to some of them, it's been meaningful. Number one, a lot of them were supportive of Marcus Freeman's hire. Number one, because he's not Brian Kelly. I'm just being honest. All right. That's just, that's not me taking a shot. That's just me telling you what I'm told. Number two, I think, you know, with Marcus Freeman being younger, being an energetic guy, some of the alums have taught, some of the alums have met him in the past before he became head coach. And the word spread to other alums like, this is the dude. This is the guy. This is a genuine dude. And, and he gets it. And so then Coach Freeman gets hired, and he immediately embraces everything that makes Notre Dame unique. You know, you just saw a picture the other day of, of him on Twitter where he's where, you know, speaking with Lou Holtz. And we talked about that in the show the other day. Uh, I think it was maybe Monday show, Tuesday show, maybe it was last week's from mailbag. I forget which day it was. But we were talking about how you know, just it's just another example of Coach Freeman gets it, right? And not only that, but they're basically matching, right? Like they both got khaki pants on. Coach Freeman had a blue jacket. Coach Holtz had a blue like sweater on top of it. But just embracing the past and embracing the fact that I'm standing on the shoulder of giants, right? And where Brian Kelly wanted to kind of be like, you know, I'm the greatness. I, it's because of me where Marcus Freeman looks at it. And it's not just with Notre Dame, but it's about, you know, his position as an African-American coach and looking back at the people that have have come up over the years that have gotten to the point where he now has this opportunity, his understanding and an appreciation for history is something I've really appreciated and understand that, like, look, I'm here because, yes, I have talent and I have ability, but I'm here at Notre Dame at this prestigious place because other people made it prestigious or prestigious, however you want to say it. And he understands that that Notre Dame is a, is a great job, not because of what he has done, but because of what others have done. He wants to honor them for what they've done, but then also use them, and he's been honest about this, to be around the players, to get the players to understand. Because he made a comment in that State of the Union thing where he said, you know, it's not just about 
you know, um, get telling the players about their tradition. Yeah, I would tell him about the tradition. He wants them to be around the tradition. Because what is the tradition? The tradition of Notre Dame is is not the Golden Dome. I mean, that's a that's a visual representation of it. It's not touchdown Jesus. It's not the you know the angled stripes in the end zone. It's not a scoreboard or no scoreboard. It's not any of those things. It's the players. It's the legendary coaches. It's the people that put on the helmet, that put on the pads that have the headsets, that that put in the, the time and the effort and made the sacrifices of blood, sweat, tears, time, family, all of that to build Notre Dame up to what it is today that would make it a place Marcus Freeman even wanted to be at. And I think his embracing that, the greatness that is Notre Dame, that has made Notre Dame what it is, has been incredibly endearing to the, to the alums, but also it's going to be beneficial to the players. I mean – I don't know if any of you are on Twitter, but if you are, go to the Notre Dame's t- Twitter page if you haven't already done so, and look at the video of Jerome Bettis speaking to the team before a morning workout. I mean, it's just like, yeah, okay, I'm ready to go throw the helmet on and I'm ready to go, right? Like, it is a it is a, a thing where you just you have to you have to love the energy, you have to love the excitement that he is. But at the end of the day, if Marcus Freeman doesn't embrace what makes Notre Dame unique it's all just lip service. It's just talk. And right now it, nobody, nobody that's involved in it thinks it's just talk. It's genuine. He wants that because you got to know what, remember where he came from. He came from an Ohio state program that was run by Jim Trestle and Jim Trestle embraced the tri- the history, the tradition of Ohio state. Marcus Freeman grew up in Ohio. His dad is an Ohio state fan. Like, he understands how important tradition is to an institution, to a to a program, and he wants to make sure he brings that to Notre Dame. So that's a great question, and and I know it's something that the alums are are very excited about. So before we go too far, I want to bring in my guy Ryan Roberts. Ryan, thank you for joining us. We had some recruiting questions going on, Ryan. So I figured, you know, hey, why don't you come join us? We talk a little bit of Notre Dame football, a little bit of team. Got Vince. Uh, Vince is doing the uh, the producing behind the scenes, so we're ready to rock and roll. So let's get to some more questions, there, Vince. Uh, Tommy Guns, I, Leonidas is Spartan kick is just too too long to for me to say all the time. So it's just Tommy Guns. That's just my guy, man. I, I miss I miss Tommy Guns. Any update on guys progressing from injuries? So I have a couple just minor updates. So talk. I've, I've sounds like Kane Barong is ahead of schedule. It sounds like I'm trying to think of some other guys. There's actually going to be some, I can't tell you who it is, but there's going to be several players that probably will be limited during the spring or be out during the spring because they've had procedures in the off season. And it was kind of like, Hey, let's clean it up now. I'm not worried about spring. We know who you are. You don't need spring practice, right? Get healthy. Let's get you ready for Ohio state. So there will be some of that, but uh, it sounds like Gabriel Rubio is healthy and should be good to go. Kane Barong is coming along. I don't I don't expect Avery Davis or Joe Wilkins to be super, super involved in the spring, but it does sound like Joe is at least moving a, a lot more now, so perhaps he'll be able to get out there a little bit. And I'm trying to think of um, of who else might have been on that. Uh, J.D. Bertrand, I, I think, is probably going to be a little bit limited uh, during the spring. At least he's been kind of a little bit limited during workouts. Oh, Maris Lilfowl, that's another one. I expect him to be back and ready to go for the spring. He'd be the other one that that uh, that I've heard is coming along pretty well. 
Is Vince gone? There we go. All right. Breakthrough sports performance. The super chat. Thank you for that breakthrough sports performance. Love either Vizina or more. The problem is theoretically, if Notre Dame takes Vizina, you probably lose a couple of top receivers on the board. Dante is the Pied Piper thoughts. So Ryan, just so you know, real quick, we had a we had a bit of a long conversation about about Dante Moore and if, if Chris Vizina wants to commit. And I, I, I commented like, look, first of all, I, I don't buy this notion that all of a sudden Chris Vizina is out of nowhere, just going to commit to their name after leading Clemson. He's still, you talk to his coach. Yeah. My understanding is he's even, he's going to visit Notre Dame first, but he still has plans to visit Clemson in Georgia. Yes. I'll ask you this before we get to the super chat. How surprised would you be if Chris Vizina committed to Notre Dame before he took visits to Clemson and Georgia, especially Clemson, who is, in my opinion, right now, the school that actually leads for him, not Notre Dame. Yeah, well, now that's what I was going to say to start off with is I would say that Clemson is leading in the front as it currently sits. I, I think it's a little telling sometimes with, you know, how we, they set up the recruiting visits, right? Like who goes first, who they lead off with, who they end with type of thing. And, and obviously that can change drastically if, like, uh, theoretically – Christopher Vizina goes to Notre Dame and they, you know, knock him out of the park and he's kind of, you know, kind of flipped maybe a little bit of the perception or just his mind a little bit. But I mean, so talking to his coach, Coach Forrester, the original plan is that he would uh, he would like to be committed before the end of this school year. So obviously he is a junior. We are now in the spring semester, quote unquote, right? And that is pretty firm, but there's always a chance that it could get escalated a little sooner. But I would be, I mean, to answer your question, bro, Brian, I would be very surprised, almost shocked if he was to commit right after the Notre Dame visit. I think that the, I think that he is going to do his due diligence with at least those visits. Cause those are only the three that like coach Forrester knew about, right? Like it was like, he was told me, I know Notre Dame for sure. The first weekend, obviously. Right. I know that he's going to go to Georgia. I know he's going to go to Clemson. But there is still possibilities that he could make a, another trip or two during during that month. Of, I think Florida is another team trying to push for yeah. him to get him on campus. Yeah, so 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 just those three are obviously the ones that we know about, but that doesn't mean that's the only ones right now. Those are just the ones that are solidified at this point. But I think that the kind of the the sequence of the visits and just kind of talking it t- talking through a little bit of like what his perception is of of his timeline I would be very surprised if he committed to Notre Dame after that visit I I, I think that he was going to take all of his visits I would I would guess so back to the super chat yeah and the problem is theoretically if Notre Dame takes Vizina you probably lose a couple of top receivers on the board Dante is the Pied Piper I have made this case plenty Dante Dante Moore to me is is the Pied Piper because I think he impacts beyond just the receivers. I think he impacts linemen, defensive players, all of it. I still, however, think that Chris Vazina is going to have an impact because he let, look again. This is a top hundred quarterback. That's not no. no right. I'm afraid. He's not a top hundred quarterback. He's a top hundred player. Sure. To me, he's yep. one of the five to eight best quarterbacks in the country in what is a really good quarterback class. He's my number two quarterback on the board. I have him ahead of Nico. I have him ahead of way ahead of Jackson Arnold. I have mm-hmm. him ahead of Avery Johnson. I have him ahead of everybody not named Dante Moore. Now, by ahead of, I'm not talking about Malachi Nelson. I'm not talking about Arch Manning because those guys are not on the board. Okay, I'm sure. talking about guys on the Notre Dame board. Yep. He is my clear number two quarterback. Th- there will be re- now maybe Cardinal Tate doesn't follow him to Notre Dame, but he's the guy that's going to impress Braylon James, Rodney Gallagher. Malik Elzey, Jaden Greathouse. I mean, we, you know, Tyler sure. Williams. I mean, we're, we go down the list of guys that will say, hey, plus 
he's Southern. He's from Alabama. Some of the mm-hmm. Southern kids that are going to know him, they're going to be at camps with him. are going to compete against him in seven on sevens or games are going to know him there. And so he will, he will have an impact on offense where mm-hmm. I think the big difference for Dante is specifically to Cardinal Tate. Yeah. And two, I think Cardinal impact, or I think Dante impacts everything. I think Dante impacts Keon Keeley staying in the class, Peyton Bowen staying in the class. I mean, he, he impacts everybody. Now, I'm not saying if they don't get Dante, they're going to lose those guys. Okay. Cause I know how this is going to go. Mm-hmm. I just feel like Dante being the Pied Piper goes beyond just skill players on offense. That's the difference. That's why we talk about him being the Pied Piper. Chris Vazina's, I think, what, two services have him in the 50s? He's a consensus yeah. top 100 player. I think Rivals has him like 54 or something like that. One of them has him in the 50s at least. Yeah. He's a guy the guys are going to play for at, at receiver. So I, I'm not mm-hmm. as concerned about, you know, Braylon James isn't going to come to Notre Dame now because they got Chris Vizina or Rodney Gallagher's not going to look at Notre Dame anymore because they got Chris Vizina. I just don't think it's going to have that kind of kind of impact. What do you say, Ryan? No, no, I, I agree completely with that with that sentiment. Like I, I my first thought was I think Christopher Vizina is still going to attract a lot of talented pass catchers. Like again, <laughs> I, 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 this conversation is, is a little frustrating at times because it's like. You can love Dante more and still really like Christopher right. Zena. Like it's not and, like and you know, part of that's on me. I think part of that's my well, fault because I've been so. This is just. I mean, this is part. People people respect our opinion. People people listen to what we say. People that don't know how to evaluate and break down film like you and I do, or don't have the time, they're mm-hmm. going to rely on us. And we've been so on the Dante Moore train that I understand it. That's right. why I'm trying to say, look, my opinion on Dante Moore has not changed at all. Sure. But I think we need to, and I talked about this at the beginning, Ryan, before you came on. So that's why I'm, I'm saying this. I, I think that we we do need to also say what I said was, I'm all I'm all in on Dante Moore. That's my opinion. That's what mm-hmm. I would do in this particular class in this particular situation. Most years I would not do that, but in this one. However, if Notre Dame chooses to not go along with me, I would simply say I would have done it differently, and then sure. start talking about what makes Chris Vizina such a good player. Yeah, because no. this is not this is not Steve Angeli. I also said this, Ryan, and I wanted to get your opinion on this kind of along these lines too. What sure. I said was I grade Chris Vazina out higher right now as a junior than I graded Drew Aller out a year ago as a junior. Well, I, who I was, was my gonna, top quarterback on the board? I think there's year. some par- I think there's some parallels to that conversation too. Was I, I was actually thinking a little bit about Drew Aller because stylistically speaking, right, like Christopher Zena and Drew Aller play a similar brand of football, right? They're mm-hmm. more pro style, pocket passer, big arm type of players. Like they have a nice frame to them, mm-hmm. a little better of a frame, honestly, to at least grow than like a Dante Moore, for instance. But I, I just wanted to point that point out there to say. Christopher Vizina, I think, could be a really good quarterback. Like, mm-hmm. not just a good college quarterback, like a very good one. He can win at Notre Dame. There's no doubt about it if he ends up being there. The issue is, and we're talking, and you already talked about the highlighting the whole class situation. I think that they could pull in a really good receiver class with Christopher Vizina. I think they could pull an elite class, not only a receiver, but just in general with the Dante Moore, because I just think that there's a different aura around the kid, right? Like there's a different prestige. There's a different, just kind of like, you just feel a little differently than your, your profile with him long-term than you do with a Christopher Vizina. And that's no knock against Vizina. Again, could be a very good college quarterback, but I just think Dante's a different type of dude, not even a different type of player, just a different type of person, right? Like people I think are just going to gravitate towards him. They're going to want to be a part of that class. You could still maybe get, 
Rodney Gallagher and and um, Braylon James and some of these really talented pass catchers. But we're talking about a whole scope of a of a of a program, and that's what we keep talking about is like the gatekeeper, the pie piper, whatever you want to call them. This guy could change the momentum of a program, in my opinion. Christopher Bazina can also be a part of a great program. But how many quarterbacks could come out every year, can you say, can legitimately change the course right. of a program? I think just that's what by signing. And that's the right. thing that Ryan is saying, just by signing. What mm-hmm. we're also saying is Chris, if Chris Vazina turns out to be the player that we think his ceiling represents, he can be that Pied Piper as well. But it's just going to take him proving that a little bit more as a whole program. Right. And that's at least that's what I'm saying. Right. Am I am I representing mm-hmm. kind of the point you're making? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, no. Appropriately. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Absolutely. That's the thing is like I. the reason we're saying this is because I'm not telling you all to change your mind on Dante Moore. I'm not telling you to, to not be on the I'm all in for Dante train. I am. My opinion hasn't changed. I just think the manner in which I've expressed this opinion has caused some people to sort of almost look at as Chris Vizina as. If he were to pick Notre Dame, which we're not predicting he will, again, I still think Clemson leads. I think he's going to go to Clemson after he goes to Notre Dame, which could negate a lot of the momentum that Notre Dame might get from that visit. But if Notre Dame is able to get him, that is a that is not a – I mean, if Dante – let's just say Dante Moore from the very beginning says, I'm, I'm not staying in the north. It's too cold, too much snow. I'm going south. Notre Dame wasn't in the game. We People would be fired up about Chris Vizina right now. So I just, I just, that was kind of the thing for me is I just want to make sure that we're not, we're not turning against Chris Vizina because of how pro we are of Dante Moore. And again, my, right. my Dante Moore opinion has not, has not changed in the slightest in recent. And I still feel that if I were to say today, Ryan, you tell me if you agree or disagree. I yeah. still feel today, Notre Dame has a better shot to get Dante more than Chris Vizina. I think oh, I they lead for Dante. I don't think they lead for Chris Vizina. So I don't no, no. I don't know where this whole Chris Vizina to Notre Dame. And I mean, I'll answer your question because they're fair questions, but I just don't think we I don't think it's going to get to that personally. That's just either. at least based on where it is as of today. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and that's a great point as, as I also and I, I guess that's like, wow, that, that's really fun to think about for a second mm-hmm. that they, they do lead probably in theory for Dante more comparative to Chris as of right now. Right now. Yeah. yeah. As, as of right. Yeah, exactly. As of today at this time at one thirteen PM Eastern time, that that's mm-hmm. where it currently stands. Anything yeah. can change, but that's sure. what it's looking like right now. Sure. Um, but again, I just wanted to just put it out there because, you know, I, I feel like we keep kind of harping on the same point, but Christopher Vizina would be among the most, highly ranked quarterbacks Notre Dame has signed over the last few years with Tyler Buckner and Phil Dracovic. Like he's in that, you know, type of conversation as far as ranking is concerned. So mm-hmm. I just don't want it to seem like, you know, we're, we're just like putting down on a Christopher Vizina because he's a really talented Vizina, player. That's terrible. That sucks. He's right. No, right. Not that at all. right. <laughs> exactly. Not that, at all. not that at all, but Hey, love the super chat. Love the discussion. Leonidas is Spartan kick. Is there any big news that you're holding back right now? Just say a yes or no big news. No, no, I mean, there's like some little injury updates some potential position moves that I'm trying to get some confirmation on and things like that. But no, there's no like, there's no like, uh, this guy's not committed, you know, uh, which we've done before. But no, there's nothing, there's nothing that we're holding back right now. John A1 ch- changes avatar, I see. J- the safety positions uh, is returning three players with a lot of experience and a breakout in Ramon Henderson. What are guys like Watts and Walters need to do to increase field opportunities? Well, number one, I would say 
Um, I would say personally, Ryan, I, I think that Watts was every bit as part of the rotation last year as Houston Griffith and DJ Brown by the end of the year. Yeah. I think the interesting thing is I would say that Notre Dame is returning four players with a lot of experience or I guess he's kind of talking about Brandon Joseph, Houston and DJ, and yeah. then a breakout player in Ramon Henderson. I don't know if I'm ready to call Ramon a breakout player yet. I think Ramon showed flashes of what he can be, but there's still a lot of work to do with his game. It's sure. not like all of a sudden he was producing like Kyle Hamilton was producing when he when he left. It's just that he was better than expected. He's got to get a lot yeah. better. So I yeah. would argue that that there's three players with a lot of experience, and then Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts. I think that group of five right now are all going to be battling for the job. It's going to get real mm-hmm. interesting to see how the spring shapes out because just because guys make the decision to return to the team for the spring doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're going to hold that decision when the spring is over. You sure. Know, they're, they're, if there's a fifth-year senior that's fifth on the depth chart, he may think, you know what, like I, I want to be here, I love my teammates, but I also want to play, and well, I, I, I'm going to find yeah. a place to play. And I think it's really interesting because obviously everyone's assuming Brandon Joseph is, is going to play a lot of football. I'm assuming that as well with the talent that I think that he has. But then you're working with like there's a base, there's a solid baseline for guys that have contributed, like you're saying, right? DJ Brown and Houston Griffith have had spurts of good football. They've played pretty consistent for the most part. Nothing spectacular, nothing flashy. I think why people are really excited about Ramon and myself included to a high degree is you saw some flash plays, right? Like you from saw athleticism, yeah. from an athleticism perspective, like the range over top. And that kind of gets you excited because you just don't see that a ton with guys like Houston and DJ. Like you don't see those outrageously rangy plays from those types of guys. They're usually guys that are usually in the right spot. They won't give up the big play. Like that's kind of where their, where their baseline is, in my opinion. So people are expecting – Ramon kind of takes the takes the the reins as that guy, but Watts I think is in that conversation too. And like you're yeah. saying, if we come out of spring and you know it's it's a situation where Brandon Joseph's what Notre Dame thinks he is, right? And then Ramon takes a step and Watts stays at safety and he takes a step. Now we're sitting at guys like Houston Griffith and DJ Brown that maybe both of them are the odd man out to a right. degree. At least one of them's the right. odd man out. Then what's the next step? Right. right? And that doesn't mean that they're going to leave. It just there's a lot that needs to happen. And and I'll tell you, Houston's an intriguing player to me because I'm going to be very skeptical to jump on the Houston Griffith bandwagon this year because I've done that twice now, and both times he didn't he didn't produce the way that I think he's capable of producing. The thing that I find intriguing about him now, and why I have to to tell myself, don't do it, don't do it, don't jump on the bandwagon again is because of all the things that I'm hearing from coaches and players about the leadership role that he's embraced, the fact that he's pushing others, where in the past I felt like Houston needed to be pushed. Now Houston's doing the pushing. It tells me that there was a bit of a, there was a bit of a, okay, now or never, I think, moment that Houston has gone through this offseason, where it's like, what what do I want to, who do I want to be? What legacy do I want to leave? And, and if he doesn't do it now, then it's just not going to happen. And so he's a guy that I'm intrigued by, but again, I'm going to, I need to see it at this. After four years, I need to see it. I think DJ Brown is what he is. I think the thing about for Xavier and then to John's Justin Walters, it's going to be tough for Justin Walter to crack the rotation without injuries. It's just going to be tough for him to do that. I think the thing for me with Justin is if I'm Justin, I'm trying to learn the safety position. I'm going to study the older guys. I'm going to, 
you know, I'm, I'm following Brandon Joseph around like a hawk. Like I am just, whatever he does, I'm going to do, I'm going to learn from that guy because I think there, there's some similarities there in style of play and, and skill set that I think are, are comparable. And if I'm Justin Walters, what I'm doing is I want to be a starter on every single special teams, every single one. I want to be running down on kickoffs or covering punts. I want to be on kick return. I want to be on punt return. Dude, if you want me to go on the wing and, and block on PAT field goals, coach, I got you. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I hope that that's not the case because you want a little bit of a bigger guy there. But you get my point. Like, that's where Justin needs to make his mark this year as a redshirt freshman. And yeah. learn from the veterans, but then go make your mark on special teams. I think that's where we could really see Justin. Wal- I could see Justin Walters becoming a household name with Notre Dame fans this year and not playing a meaningful snap of safety all year. Yeah. I mean, that that's my hope of what I think he could be, Ryan, mm-hmm. coming into the season. Thoughts on that? Yeah. No, I, and I, I even – I skated over Justin a little bit. And I, I mean, I think that it's it's just when we're talking about guys like the DJ Browns and the Houston Griffiths, obviously, right? Like this is a make it or break it year for those guys because they're not going to be back after the season. I, I don't even know if either one of them has any eligibility left. But No, I think they're, they're both – I think they're both – like Houston's, this is Houston's fifth year. I think DJ yeah. might be able to do a sixth year because okay. of COVID and all that. But not, he, not like Houston though. never yeah. had a red shirt. That's the thing. Houston right. never red shirted. So he should have been done if it wasn't for COVID. Right. And I think right. he understands that. Like sure. if my career ended when it should have, I'm an undrafted free agent and, you know, but he gets that last shot at it. But I think DJ could come back. But the reality, they're not bringing DJ Brown back for a second. I'd be shocked if that were Sure. Case. Yeah. So I, I don't want, I just don't want to get super hyper focused on Walters because as a Richard freshman, like this isn't the make or break it season, right? Like if he doesn't mm-hmm. crack the starting lineup or the two deep or whatever, whatever it might be, there's still going to be chances, especially after next, next season, right? You're going to be at TJ mm-hmm. Brown's out. We just said Houston Griffith's out. Brandon Joseph might be out depending on how he plays. Like there's going to be shifting of that room. Maybe Xavier Watts does make the switch back to wide receiver full time. So then, we're talking about more opportunity potentially. I think for this year, though, you, you kind of have, a, a, I think, a pretty general understanding of who the mainstays of the position are. It's just going to be kind of how the two through five kind of shake out, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Let's get to some more questions here. Jeff Fluke. Okay, this is what we do sometimes, Ryan. When we have mailbags, we say we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. So mm-hmm. Jeff Fluke, asked, and I love these questions. Jeff Fluke asks, in your opinion, who is the most underrated player in a sports movie? Ray Smith from replacements is mine, starting safety, punter, kickoff duty, and backup running back. That's the dude that was like, I don't think Ray Smith was like his real name. He was actually a former player that had gone to jail. I think is who that guy was. Who is the most underrated player in a sports movie? Mm. I mean, I'm I'm trying to think. I I think that John C. Riley was pretty good in uh, For Love of the Game. I think he was a very underrated part of that movie. Was he the catcher, he, right? He was the catcher, catcher, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like movie. the first serious role he had. I mean, he was funny, but he he wasn't like that goofy stepbrothers character. <laughs> I could think of the the ninja from from Necessary Roughness is probably my favorite. The the middle linebacker ninja, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Did you ever yeah, see I that did. movie? I did. You know, yeah. and and the one of the best scenes is when the referee starts like naming all the the moves that he did, like illegal, <laughs> you know, and he's like doing all these like karate moves and. Oh, forget it. Personal foul, 15 yards. So I think he probably he might be one of my favorite. He might be one of my favorite, like underrated players in a sports movie because this is so goofy. Yeah. You know, like he just like <laughs> just goes out there like 
this karate chops a bunch of dudes and like they don't kick him out of the game. <laughs> it's like it was just kind of a goofy, but I thought he was a he was just a it was a funny scene and and uh, in that movie. But um, maybe the center in that movie, you know, don't worry, mm-hmm. Mr. Blake, they won't touch you. It was a little crush on Kathy Ireland, oh, yeah, 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 which yeah, yeah. you know, I think every male in my age group probably had a similar <laughs> feeling about Kathy Ireland at that time. So, um, um, yeah, th- those just great. off the top of my head, those, I mean, and I mean, I could name you 20 different characters, underrated characters in, in the first major league. Like well, I, I was going to say that that's where my mind went. I was thinking, uh, you know, I mean, Roger Dorn completely changed his oh. game and, and had a bit, you know, got in front of the ball down there at third yeah. base. Right. And he took, <laughs> he took, took the, took the uh, pitch. And what was that major league too? Like, I mean, yeah. big time, man, yeah. big time. Yeah. Came off the All retire right. list and got yeah. hit by the pitch. And, yeah, yeah. He was, he was underrated. He was underrated. <laughs> yeah. And so you, you could pick several guys from, um, you know, the, the, you know, the guy that, Ed Harris was it Ed Harris or Harris? You oh, know, the, 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 the Badger Sue, yeah. Vaseline. He's kind of just like, I'm going to run Tabasco. like you do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a little Tabasco bodies, Yeah. Yeah. Because well, you put snot on the ball. I don't have an arm like you do. <laughs> oh, that's a great movie. I need to watch that soon. You're telling me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> oh, Pedro Serrano, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a, uh, yep. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, it's a great it's, movie. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a it's a classic. No, so Jeff, thank you for that. That was fun. That was fun. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden during the show, we're just random names. Like, oh, what about so and so from you know this movie are going to pop in my head? Yeah. Tweeter from uh from uh Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues. Yeah, someone yeah. just put in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ty B, when you guys go to Vegas for your show, will I be able to hear you guys? I'm going to support. I don't know how that whole works as far as, I mean, if you'd be able to hear us, like, are you like being at the studio? I'm not sure how that works, but yeah, well, the show will be live. I mean, we'll carry it like normal, but if you're talking about like being there, I'm honestly, Ty, I don't know how that works. Um, we'll, we'll let people know. So, and I don't know like what day it would be and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we'll, we will, sh- we will see. The world famous Scotty Nitro. Brian, I have seen several wide receivers mentioned lately on other Facebook pages. Do you have any confidence level on any of the top name guys? I, I would I would advise you not to get your recruiting information from Facebook pages. Um, number one, but uh, I, I don't know what guys you're referring to. Ryan, let's just kind of go through. Let's yeah. let's do this, Ryan. Let's kind of right now. Mm-hmm. Let's go through just the guys that I believe are the top players on the board at receiver. Sure. And just quickly give uh, where you think things stand right now. Does that sound good? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So perfect. let's let's start off with with obviously the the big name on the list, and that'd be Carnell Tate. Sure. Let's just kind of start off. He's obviously, I think, one of the top guys, probably the top guy on the board right now. What's yep. the latest on on Carnell Tate? Yeah. So true What's outside guy. Confidence level in the IMG Academy uh, products. I think there's some depending factors on it. I would say that Notre Dame is definitely in the top two or three group. I would say I would. I don't not necessarily would say that they are the leader, but I think, and we always talk about this. If Dante Moore comes aboard at quarterback, I think that drastically improves Notre Dame's chances. But I think they are in the conversation. They are in the top group right now. Next, let's go to a guy that I'm a big fan of, and I'm and I'm and the yep. more I break him down, the more I like him, and that is Braylon James, who is going to sure. be visiting, I believe, the weekend of March 18th. I believe you had that update on the board yesterday. Yes. What is your confidence level of? And we'll break these guys down starting next mm-hmm. week. We're going to do our receiver show. 
Yeah. But what is your what is your confidence level right now ahead of that visit and why? It's it's warming up to say the least. He was a guy that we knew Notre Dame liked, but we didn't know it was um, it had kind of escalated to the degree. He's I think he actually has a similar skill set a little bit to, to a Carnell Tate. I think they both have kind of that long, explosive type of feel to their game. I would say right now between him and uh, since uh, between Notre Dame and Stanford, I think that those are probably a couple of the top schools. But I do think that Notre Dame potentially leads for him. I think that if it may, even if it's only a one A one B situation, his I think coach that they thinks might... they lead for him. That's yes, the intel absolutely. piece we put on our site. Yep. His coach so thinks I, Notre Dame, and, he, and he's a per, he's a five student on a five mm-hmm. board. He also likes yep. Stanford a lot. So I think when you start hearing a, a skill player that likes Notre Dame and Stanford, you say, okay, yeah, this guy's a fit at Notre. Dame. Yes. Absolutely. I'm more bullish on that than Ryan is. I think that if if a coach is telling me that a kid from Texas mm-hmm. that Notre Dame leads and the kid's never visited, that, that kind of yeah, yeah. That so my mm-hmm. confidence level is is quite high on that one. But the other thing too is you just never know how visits. Some kids come to and, and there's been kids in the past. I'll still there, there's a linebacker I'm from Florida and for the life of me can't remember his name, but. Loved Notre Dame, was going to commit to Notre Dame, came up for the visit with the intention of committing, and he hated it. Uh. Hated his visit, ended up signing with Ohio State, just hated it. And, like, they were off the board afterwards. Uh, Xavier Nwankpa, his visit in October this year did not go well, and that eliminated Notre Dame. So when visits happen, you you just never know. A guy that you and I are both very, very high on as a player, work Mm -hmm. to do for Notre Dame, and that is Philly's own Rodney Gallagher, technically oh, yeah, not Philly's own, but I just like well, I Pen- Pennsylvania's own Rodney Gallagher. Yeah. Um, dual threat quarterback at the high school level projects into the slot dynamic space player. I think that Notre Dame is again, similar to Cornell to a degree that they are in the top group. I would say they're in the top two to three for a guy like a Rodney Gallagher. It's been a guy that Notre Dame has really turned up the heat on them lately. He's a player that I just talked to actually this morning. He is uh, not had, he has not finalized any visits. He is a really good basketball player for people that do not know. So he is still finishing up his basketball season. So he has not finalized any visits. He's not even really thought about the visits at all yet. I think Notre Dame is in, Solid position. I think it's developing in the right direction, but I would not call them near the leader right now. I think this one's open, and I think that this one is one that needs to develop further, just in general for everyone. And to your point, it's it's Notre Dame has work to do, but the nice thing is the advantage that they have is, to your point, basketball has kept him from really building that strong bond with anybody. Right. And mm-hmm. that's where Notre Dame and, – and when you talk about being a good basketball player, it's not that he's just like – you know, Josh Burnham was a – Good basketball player. Monroe Fillings, good basketball player. This kid's sure. a legitimate Division One recruit as a basketball player. He's now yep. he has since decided he's not gonna be recruited for basketball. But if he decided he wanted to play basketball, he's a Division One athlete. I mean, he's got yeah. offers from schools to play Division One basketball. So, uh, and and uh, you know, as we've talked about before, basketball season is still very much in play. His team mm-hmm. is currently twenty two and zero. And so they are, pretty good. you know, yeah, that's pretty good. And I don't, be, I don't believe that Pennsylvania's postseason has started yet, or has it? I think it just started. I think it may have so, just started. I, yeah. I, I just, I briefly asked him how uh, basketball season's going. He's like, oh, yeah. it's pretty good. Like, yeah, it oh, looks like it. If they, if they're as good as, I mean, your your his season, barring an upset, is going to yeah. get taken into March. So yes. that would explain why. But yes, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, and Notre Dame has made him a big priority. Jancy Stuckey and Tom Reese both love that kid. Mm-hmm. Next guy on the board is a player that last night announced a top five 
That included Notre Dame, and that is Rico Flores from Folsom High School in California. Obviously, if Notre Dame made his top five, that doesn't mean that they're in the game. We talked about that with Caden Proctor. In this instance, however, they are in the game. Yeah. Rico, he's one of the guys that Notre Dame has gone out, went out and saw during the most recent open period. Also has an offer from Yale. So uh, Yale doesn't just go out to near L.A. very often just for anybody, right, and throw out scholarship <laughs> right. offers. So obviously this is a kid. Now, he looked like Easy e in that little picture he put up yesterday. Like he had this like little Easy e looking thing, if you if you notice that. But really good football player, Ryan. Um, yeah. I mean, you would agree right now it's – I love that they're in the top five, but until he gets back on campus, I, I you know, I, I don't – I'm not going to feel great about it until he commits to coming – to Notre Dame for a for a trip this spring. Yeah, we we had an update on him a couple of weeks ago. He's a kid that I mean, if you look at the stats out of Folsom, this kid's one of the more productive wide receivers in all yeah. high school football. Like right. he is up there with anybody. I like that. I just think that he has a very well rounded game, and I think that Notre Dame just really. I mean, he's a good fit just for any program, honestly, because mm-hmm. I think that he does a lot of things very well. Maybe no like master trait, but I think right. that he just checks a lot of boxes. I I mean, when I talk to him. I need to kind of touch base with him again here kind of soon, but like I got a, I got a sense that he really liked Notre Dame, but I, I didn't per- come out and perceive that he was per se the leader in the clubhouse, right? right? Like he's, he's a, he's a academically driven kid. So Notre Dame's always going to be in the conversation. That right there is where I'm at. I think yes. he's intrigued by Notre Dame. Absolutely. But he's and, leaning towards the West coast schools. That's why right. the visit is so important. Because mm-hmm. you can't, I can't feel great about him picking Notre Dame until he gets on campus and like they're with the new staff and they're able to, to really convince him. Because I, I think you just nailed it. He's intrigued by the idea of Notre Dame. Yeah, I think if he had to pick a school today, I don't think it would be Notre Dame because mm-hmm. I think he'd stay out west. One Absolutely. more guy before I kind of give just a broad update, and that is Jaden Greathouse. Mm-hmm. Where where do things stay? He's another Texas kid, and uh, we're gonna actually I'll kind of announce this too. Next Wednesday, we're gonna have Rod Babers former University of Texas cornerback on the uh, on the show. And we're going to mm-hmm. talk about Texas recruiting, uh, what makes Texas unique, why it's such a such a good state, and also why he thinks that Notre Dame needs to really prioritize Texas. And the reason we're going to have him on to talk about that is because we also think Notre Dame needs to prioritize Texas. So uh, a little bit of a preview on that, a little bit of a week from now, Rod is going to come on. But uh, Jaden Greathouse is one of those Texas kids, Ryan. Well, we already talked. We already talked about Braylon James, obviously out of Texas. Co- Coach Stuckey, coming from Baylor, had good relationships with both guys. Jaden was the first offer he had gotten was from Baylor, which of course was where Coach Stuckey came from. So there's there's a de- there's a developing relationship even before he came to Notre Dame. Now he got his Notre Dame. Um, he got his Notre Dame offer pretty recently. It was just back in January, the beginning of January when he got that offer. So Notre Dame wasn't on him incredibly early. I will say that I think it's developed in the right direction, but when I last talked to Jaden, I would just say that I think that it, he is a t- he's going to be a tough one to get out of Texas, in my opinion. But I think Notre Dame has made him more of a priority, and I think that they should keep pushing for him. But as it currently stands, I would say that he is going to be a hard pull out of Texas, in my opinion. And then the sort of a, a broad update, there's a few guys. Kyler Casper is a guy that get, whose name gets brought up again. Notre Dame's not going to be a player there. Uh, I don't I don't see that one going anywhere. Tyler Williams is a guy that I know, two Florida kids. Tyler Williams and Jalen Brown are two kids that I think Notre Dame likes a lot. But I don't see them being a player there until those guys get on campus. I think they're fading with Jalen Brown. 
partly because I think that they're prioritizing. It seems to be that they're prioritizing Rodney Gallagher over him, which I, I understand, especially with Miami making the hires they have. I think Miami has positioned themselves really well for him because of some of the moves they've made this offseason. And then Tyler Williams is always going to be a tough pull. If, if, if they can convince him to come on campus for an unofficial visit, that'll tell me that they're a player for him. And then Malik Elzey is a guy that I think Notre Dame likes, but Ryan, I don't think that he's necessarily right now as much of a priority for them as, as, as they are for him. And I think right now, I think, I think Illinois is, is, um, is the team that I think is the team to beat there with Notre Dame again. Now he's going to be on campus again, the weekend of March 18th. I'm going to be curious to see how that goes. You know, do they, do they kind of decide, Hey, yeah, we want you or, you know, that's just going to be a very telling visit in my opinion. Ryan, do you agree, disagree, yeah. anything to add to those, to no, those group not, of players? It's the same vibe because everybody on the message board, there seems to be a lot of um, people that really do like Malik. And I, I like Malik from an athletic perspective, but I just think that how the board kind of looks right now, I think that you would just be kind of rushing into it to take a Malik Elzey because yeah. I just think that there are, I just think there are better players on the board. I mean, to be as right. frank as I possibly can, but I, I do think that Malik's a guy that you should continue to have a relationship with, especially if he takes a big jump and, you know, you're, you're obviously in a, in a different position in a few months, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully not that you're, you're in a position where you, I don't want to say panic, but like if you get in a position yeah. where plan B is now become more of the, the situational dictated thing, then right. that's fine. But for now, I, I don't think that they're in any, they're not pushing to, to make that one burst yeah. right now. And in other years, he would be a higher priority. I mean, he would be, but just right now, Chancey Stuckey's done a great job with guys that are just hiring the board. Now, the key is they got to close because if you if you kind of slow play a kid like that and you end up losing them and then you don't get the guys on your board. So that's the big thing for this staff right now is they have put themselves in position with some really – I mean, they've put the, – there there are players on the board, in my opinion, that could lead to Notre Dame having one of the two best classes in the country. From a recruiting ranking standpoint, forget the, the proper way to have a recruiting class, the more subjective way of – did you meet your needs, balance, all that? Just the recruiting rankings, which I've said, I don't think Notre Dame could ever have the number one class. There's guys on the board right now that could lead to Notre Dame having the number one class, barring those all their guys just getting dropped because they commit to Notre Dame, right? Uh, but the pro- the thing is you got to close, right? You got to close on those guys. And at quarterback, receiver, offensive line, secondary, D-line, you've got to close on those guys. But the board is impressive, Ryan. There's there's no doubt about that. No, it's it's a great board. And I know someone just said, like, Ronan Hannafin. Like, Ronan Hannafin's a really good football player as well. He's I mean, more of an athlete is why we yeah. talk about him. It's like he's right. just in a different category he's like, right he's now. He's like a, fl- a flex player, right? Like, yeah. he can play a, a lot of – a few yeah. different positions. So, yeah, yeah no, it's <clears> – I mean, and I know everybody's – again, we're, we're, we're in the point where we're just like, uh, can someone come aboard? Yeah. Can someone come aboard? I, I get love it, Ronan but, Hannafin. I, I, yeah. I personally – I'm – like one day I like him more at receiver, the next day I like him more on defense. And I think Notre I Dame has that same problem. It's like, if soft, forget it. We just want him. They're right? going to fight over him. We'll if figure he out. We'll figure out what we'll <laughs> play later. Let's just get right. him in the class. We'll figure out because that, and that, but that's true though. Like how, where he's going to play is going to be determined by who else you get in the class. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like if, if what happened last year happens and you recruit him as a DB and then what happens last year happens again this year. Hey man, sorry, we need your receiver. Right. Right. If they exactly. land four other receivers and they absolutely hit a home run and they get Tate and James and Gallagher and let's say a Flores or, you know, somebody like that, then, hey, Ronan, let, you know, try you out at safety or linebacker or wherever the case may be. But 
what I can say confidently is that they they won them. That that mm-hmm. is the, the thing. I want to bring this up real quick just to address a question. Leonidas mm-hmm. is Spartan Kick. Brian, what was your joke about yesterday about the 22, all the 22s? I don't think it was just the date by itself. It was kind of the date, but for whatever reason, on every year on February 22nd, I just I can't get Jay-Z's song 22 twos out of my head. It's just he literally through the song says two 22 times. It's just a free it's like it's like meant to be like a freestyle kind of thing. It's just one of my favorite Jay-Z songs. And really the only Jay-Z album I truly loved was his first one, Reasonable Doubt. And it was one of the songs from that. So I don't know why. But then yesterday was even more so because it was February 2, 2222. Because it's the year 22. So just for what I just could not get that song out of my head yesterday. So that's what that was about. And I just knew that old heads like me would would get that immediately. And I saw that, but younger people like Tommy Guns and Ryan, you know, you guys might not uh might not click right away what that means because that was his original album like i think i was in high school when that happened so ryan you were probably what so wearing diapers at that time maybe what what, what so, year are we talking what year are we talking 90s like late 90s i, what mean, year I, mean, I was born i was born 91 so it's probably yeah, you nine. were young you weren't yeah. hopefully you weren't in diapers still but i can ver- uh, I, I, I can uh i can i have a fair source that says i was not in diapers okay. i can verify this good, good. <laughs> Good to hear. Got a super chat from Christopher Morgan. Christopher, thank you so much. So with 200, very, very much for that one. So with 245 days until the opener, I just bought and reserved my number one ticket and hotel for three days at the Blackwell Inn before sold out to spend the weekend. I will be in 11C row 21. Is IB going? Uh, LL Nation going to the game? Beers on me Friday, Saturday. Can we meet? So Christopher, for me, it's just I can't say that I'm going to go or not yet. Lucky Lefty is going to be there. We've talked about that, and uh, Sean and and Malik have definitely said that they plan on being there, uh, so they'll be there for that. For me, it, I'm not quite sure yet at this point in time if I'm going to be there uh, because it just depends on whether or not I'm able to cover the game, and that's based on decisions that I'm. I just don't know enough about what Ohio State's policies are on that for me to be able to say for sure that that I'm going to be there. But if we're there, we definitely are planning a, a Friday night get together. Cause I'm going to go into Ohio early. I have family in, in Ohio and all that kind of stuff. So I'll definitely be there early. If we are going to, if, if I'm able, but if I'm not able to cover the game, I'm not, I'm not going to go. So that wouldn't make a, make a ton of sense for me to do that. So um, that's just, yeah, that's where I'm at on that one. But I do appreciate, appreciate, love the super chat. And I'd love to meet up with everybody. I think, I think one thing we're talking about doing this year is we are talking about doing something a little bit different this year where um, we're going to try to tailgate probably for like all the games is what kind of we're planning on doing this year. And so I don't know if, you know, like we'll have food at all of them, but definitely tailgating where we can, you know, we can kind of meet everybody and get to know everybody and and do all that kind of stuff. So I think that would be, that would be obviously a lot of fun, but yeah, the Ohio state game is definitely one where it'd be fun to meet up. I know the Las Vegas one is one that I think as of right now, Vince and I are both planning on going to that one. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one, but that is definitely one that we have some plans to have multiple people from IB at that. I don't know what lucky lefties plans are for that one. So um, as far as when Sean goes to games, that won't be for Irish breakdown more often than not, that'll be for lucky lefty. So I can't really speak to, to kind of what his plans are, uh, what his plans are for that one. So, um, but for us, yeah, our, our plan is to be there at some point in time. 
So I want to get to hear some more questions from J.P. Buhlsfeld, my man. The IB staff and IB family clearly is pleased that BK has gone to LSU. What did LSU see in BK to give $95 million guaranteed? What are we all missing? No, I don't think we're all missing anything. I mean, look, I can appreciate what Brian Kelly did for Notre Dame and still be glad that he's gone because I think he'd taken him as far as he's capable of taking him. Uh, I, I thought there was also a window where I thought a guy that could be that next guy in 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 Marcus Freeman is there. And if you if the change doesn't happen now, you maybe miss that window. But I just had kind of grown tired of of Brian Kelly just doing the same thing over and over again. And I think come to find out, so was Brian Kelly. You know, but what did LSU see? They saw a guy that took a program that hadn't been relevant, not relevant like from a Notre Dame's always relevant as a institution as a program but hadn't been relevant when it comes to competing for titles really outside of one season kind of in 15 years almost 20 years and you know took them to a national title game early then in the last five years has just taken them to a great level of success and I think that LSU is one of those programs that has bought into the the hype of well Notre Dame's just it's so hard to win at Notre Dame and you can't do this you can't do that and you know, look at look at Brian Kelly. He was able to win at this place, and it's so hard to win and all this kind of stuff, and I think that's what they saw. And I think the other part of it, too, JP, is they panicked. I think they panicked a little bit to give him that kind of money because, you know, they thought they were going to get Lincoln Riley, and then he goes to USC. And at that point in time, it's like Billy Napier turned him down. He was going to Florida. Lincoln Riley's gone. It's like, well, who are you going to get? And you just chased out Orgeron, rightfully so. I think they panicked a little bit. And I think they knew that it was going to take a lot of money to get Kelly away from Notre Dame. At least they thought that it would take a lot of money to get Kelly away from Notre Dame. And I think they they panicked a little bit. But I I I look, I understand if you're just talking football, I understand them going after Brian Kelly. I think it's a horrible fit and 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 all that. But and I think Brian Kelly would be a little rejuvenated early on by not being at Notre Dame anymore. I think he'd gotten very stale. I think he just kind of gotten into routines and just was kind of just going through the motions. And sometimes you just need to change the scenery. And I think Brian Kelly needed to change the scenery. And I think Notre Dame needed to change at head coach as well. Toe Jam asks, how much would Maris Lufau help cut down on yards for mobile quarterbacks? In theory, he should help a lot because he's a really rangy athletic player. The thing that Maris is going to have to prove this season that, that we didn't see from him in the past is, Maris is going to have to be a much more disciplined, disciplined player, better angles to the football, you know, assignment, correct. Those type of things. Those are things that he would get in a little bit of trouble in 2020 when he played a lot more, got better later in the season, but it's just going to be about discipline and being in the right place. But the the range, the athleticism in theory should help a lot with that. But I think the biggest key to that, however, is the D line. The D line has to be the first line of attack pun intended when it comes to keeping running quarterbacks from, from taking over Zach Martin asks, and, and we're not going to do, we're not, I'm, I don't think I'll be able to get to all the questions today. I'm going to try to go through and just rack out a, a bunch of these over the next 20 minutes or so at yeah, 20, 30 minutes. And, and, uh, and then I'm about to go, but so, so many great questions today. Zach Martin is Rico Flores, a legit potential get, or is Notre Dame covering their bases reminding USC Cali is Notre Dame territory again. He's a legit, He's a he's a legit potential get, as we mentioned earlier. A lot of it's going to come down to they just they got to get him on campus. But he they like him. He likes them. I don't think he is like their top two guy. I don't think they are his top two teams. But I think 
both school, both him and Notre Dame like each other, are intrigued by each other, and and both need to kind of still continue to fill each other out, in my opinion. They call me Gravy. It's an interesting name. Got the little Godzilla avatar back there. Okay, that's a good movie. Uh, hey, new here. Was just wondering what the player or players do you think with new position coaches can see a jump in usage should the work be put in uh, to get there? You know, I I don't know if if any of the players are necessarily going to see big jumps because of the changes in coaching as much as just going to be about just new opportunities based on guys being gone. But when I think of running back, you know, obviously Audrick Estime is going to get a much bigger chance now, but I think that would have also been true with, with, with Lance Taylor, just because Kyron Williams is gone at receiver. You know, part of me wonders how this, how this move is going to impact Deion Colsey and, and Lorenzo Styles. I think those are two guys that were always going to play, but you know, could could they now get a chance to sort of become the guy with a under a new regime where maybe the new coach isn't as you know veteran dependent as the previous position coach was? I think that's one. I think tight end and O line are intriguing because I think with a new tight ends coach, you know, Kane Barong could get his chance to move up the list. You know, how does Mitchell Evans move as far as you know being able to push for that number two role, which is going to happen this spring? Offensive line wise, you know, I think Andrew Kristoffic and Zeke Carell. I think Zeke Carell especially is a guy that, you know, does this give him a second chance? Because I think he rightfully missed that chance last year because he didn't play well. And you know, could could this? How could this move impact him? So I, I think, but Kristoffic's a guy I've already mentioned. I think can have a big jump. And then you know, defensive line wise, you know, I, I think Mike Elson loved Howard Cross. I mean, just loved Howard Cross. And, you know, I wonder, does Howard move away from nose, which I think he should, where Mike Elson just for some reason loved him there? And does that then open up some opportunities for a Gabriel Ruby or Aiden Kanaana? That's another position that I have my eye on as far as maybe seeing some guys could make a jump because of the change from a coaching standpoint. Cliff Rensberger, what aspects of the offense, whether it be a player, position group, scheme, or other, are you most excited to see? Uh, offensive line with Harry Heastan is the thing I'm most excited to see initially. And then after that, it's, it's how does, how does Tyler Buckner, does he just, does he pull ahead early immediately from, from the, um, the pack of quarterback, or is this going to be a long drawn out battle? I think the longer it goes on, probably the, the legitimately goes on, like meaning I don't care what Notre Dame coaches say, everybody sees it. He's the best quarterback. But if it's like close for a long time, that's going to make me a little bit nervous. So that's something it's more than just Tyler Buckner, but more of does he really seize hold? And then scheme. I'm really curious to see two things about the scheme. And I'm going to write an article about this. I kind of did a set it up in, in a recent story, but the run game, do they build the run game around the specific aspects of each player? So when Chris Tyree's in the game, you're calling things for him. When Logan Diggs is in the game, maybe you tailored a little bit more to him. I think those are things that I'm I'm curious to see, and I, I think it needs to happen. And then number two is, do they build off of what we saw in the bowl game? Are we still going to see the RPOs? Are we still going to see that be, you know, a big a big part of 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 who they are, and just building off of that? Because I think that's going to be an important part of it. So thank you for that question. So we got uh, Michael asks, "Hey Brian, have you had a chance to check out the Texas 2023 linebacker Darren Gallette?" 
his highlights and what are your thoughts about him? Notre Dame's chances with him. So I'm going to work backwards. Notre Dame's chances with him are they're they're in the conversation with him. They like him. I think he's intrigued by them. They got to get him on campus. But there's some early interest there. He's a six foot two, 225 pound kid that can flat out run, Michael. And I think right now they look at him as they want to try him at Rover, but he may outgrow that because he's so big. He's just, I mean, thick, like athletic. There was like a, I tweeted out a basketball highlight the other day where he's, again, he's six two and he drives the lane and just raises up and just jams on somebody. I mean, just pounds into somebody's face. I mean, that's a six foot two linebacker. You know, that, that, that's, that's some lift right there. And you see it on the football field. I mean, he's he moves with ease. He changes direction with ease. He's explosive. He's physical. I mean, he takes two steps, and he hits a running back, and that guy goes back. But he's also very raw, Michael, and from a technical standpoint, I think that's kind of part of the thing that I look at too and say, you know, look, he's going to need some time. But, man, I, I, love, I love the kid's athleticism. I love the kid's physicality. I love his range. I mean, he's 6'2", which isn't huge. But he's 6'2 with some length. And and I like that length. I like the long arms. I like the, the range. I, I, I mean, he moves like a rover, Michael. And that's the unique thing because he doesn't – he's not built like a rover. He's built like a guy that could play Mike or Will. But then he just – he goes out there and just runs. I mean, he just moves. I mean, it's it's really an impressive thing to see. When 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 you do see it, it's like the kid can really just flat out run. He really can just flat out run. Got a super chat down here. I want to get to a couple of them here real quick. AST one two three two one with a super chat. Tried this before, didn't post. Sorry for repeated. But what do you think? Who do you think Notre Dame lands for this defensive class? Saw your offensive class in the IB board. Well, I, I haven't put my my defensive list out there, man, uh, for for a reason, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't know who they're gonna. And the reason is, is I don't know who they're gonna get in the secondary right now to go with the guys that they have. I, I feel pretty good about about where things stand with Jason Moore and Devin Houston, but after that, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not comfortable with where they are with anybody in the secondary. Like saying, yeah, they're gonna get that guy. I feel like part of the thing with offenses is because there's just so few guys in the class, it's easier to say, okay, that these are the guys on the board and this is what they're prioritizing and this is who I think they're going to get. But I, I couldn't sit there and tell you, you know, hey, this is definitely who I think they're going to get with confidence on defense beyond the guys I already have. A lot of the guys that I would have early picked to say, hey, I think they can get those guys have already have already kind of popped. And so I think that's, that's what makes it a, honestly a little bit challenging is – because they are so kind of close, they're being a little bit picky, and they've kind of reworked their board at corner a little bit. And I really don't have a great feel for who they're going to add to the class after that, to be completely honest with you. John Rich, in your opinion, which position group has the most room for improvement for 2022 and the likelihood that they will make that happen? Well, that is a that is a good one. I think which group has the most room for improvement in 2022? I would say it's this is gonna this is gonna kind of sound uh, okay. I think it's it's two. I think there's two groups, and and it's hard. I'm back and forth even in these ten seconds since you've asked the question, John. I think it's the receivers and the offensive line. It's hard for me to separate those two. And I think from a receiver standpoint, I think the receivers played better than the line played last year, but there's still a lot of room for improvement. You know, they've got to 
they've got to be better route runners. They got to get off the line better. They got to understand spacing better. They've got to learn how to stack. They've got to learn how to stem. They've got to compete for the ball better. There's just so many things they have to improve. And that's why my first thought, my first instinct was to go with them first because fundamentally they, it's like, it's just like, I don't even know what they were taught. I mean, it, it's, it was, it was that bad, especially the last couple of years where it's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what these guys are being taught. I have no clue what they're being taught. Cause you're not seeing anything like consistently pop on film other than blocking. They were good blockers. That was the only consistent thing that they did. They don't compete for the ball. Well, they don't, they don't get off the line. Well, they, they don't show a great understanding for properly attacking leverage and manipulating guys with top ends. You just rarely saw a lot of that outside of Avery Davis, who's admitted, well, I learned that from YouTube videos, which is absurd. So I would say receiver likelihood that that will happen. I'm actually pretty confident in it, that it's going to improve. Now, the only question I have is how much will it improve? The second group is offensive line. And and the reason I put them second is because there were some things that Jeff Quinn did relatively well, right? And I thought the pass blocking improved last year. You know, I, I thought that that they were they were by the end of the year pretty assignment correct. I thought he did a pretty good job the last couple of years with with teaching guys like, hey, here's what you do and here's what you're supposed to do. We didn't we didn't see Notre Dame just like flat turning a bunch of dudes loose like he like early in his tenure. I thought he got better at that, but there were just so many things that needed to be better. And, and, better pad level, more physicality, like how they work double teams, getting off to the second level, you know, proper proper angles on pass blocks, you know, so, you know, and then proper base on pass blocks where, you know, they were getting really high and uh, they're trying to do vertical pass sets that it looked like, but didn't know how to keep their base and guys are getting under their pads and driving them back and then didn't know how to handle double moves and things like that. And it just, it was just really fundamentally a really poor, poor group, to be honest with you. But assignment-wise, they were pretty decent, and and there were some things they did well. Whereas with receivers, I just I honestly felt like the receivers the last few years were relying on just God-given ability and things they'd picked up over time. You know, I don't give I don't give Notre Dame a ton of credit for Ben Skoranek. Fundamentally, they gave him a chance to play in a scheme that allowed him to show more. They gave him a chance to get healthy and get some touches and things like that. But I mean, I don't. I don't think he came to Notre Dame like, wow, he learned how to play. Like, he already knew how to play when he got here. J- Javon McKinley knew how to do the things he did last year. He was doing that stuff in high school. So I don't I don't credit Coach Alexander for that, to be honest with you. It's it's can you teach them things that they don't already know how to do? And I think Coach Stuckey's going to do that. I think there's a lot more room there. I think the most noticeable improvement we'll see in the spring is going to be from the offensive line, simply because half the receiving core won't be out there this spring. So if if in the fall, I think we'll see both. I'm confident in the both will play much better next season. That's a very, very good question, John. Or yes. John A1. McCullough, Parker, Washington Golden are replacing good coaches. Do you expect the running back, tight end, D-line, linebacker technique to be a bit different? Are there if there are differences, do you suspect equal effectiveness? I think in some ways we'll see some differences. Yeah. And and I think running back will see some, not a ton. Tight end, some, not a ton. I think D-line is is really where we'll see, hopefully see some differences. I think that'll be the one, when we talked about this earlier, John, is just needing to see an advanced repertoire of moves uh, off the line. I think beyond just power moves. I think that's the biggest one that we will see. Skylar Hill, Brian, who would, your, who would be your starting lineup on defense in 2022 based on your excitement for a player at each position? 
don't know if I could say it based on my excitement, Skylar, just because I'm excited to see all of them. I'd say if like if if what I think everybody can be and everybody's where people fit best and who you know max you know maxes out and then maybe some excitement about a certain guy. Here's what I would go with. Up front, I'd go with Riley Mills at big end. I'd go with Jacob Lacey at nose tackle. I'd go with Jason Adamiola at three tech and then Isaiah Foskey at Viper. I would have Justin Adamiola playing both end spots and being my nickel package. I would have Howard Cross being my number two three technique that can also play some nose. And then I'm working Gabriel Rubio at Aiden count on into the mix. And then Aaronsberger and, uh, and Nana would also get a chance at the big end spot. At linebacker, I'm going to go Maris out Will, J.D. Bertrand at Mike in a rotation with Bo Bauer. And I'm going to go with Jack Kaiser at Rover in a rotation with Jalen Sneed and or Nolan Ziegler, whichever freshman is most ready for that position. At cornerback, I'm going Ryan Barnes in the boundary, Cam Hart to the field, or vice versa. Flip him if you want. Tariq Bracey is going to be my nickel. And at safety, I'm going to have Brandon Joseph and Ramon Henderson. Would be uh, would be where I go with Houston Griffith and Xavier Watts working in the rotation, unless I'm able to get my ultimate dream, which is to move Xavier Watts to offense. In that case, you can throw DJ Brown as your number four safety. So that would be that would be my uh, that would be where I would go with with that one. Blaine Tiller says, "Loved your Tyree article you did recently. Thank you." Based on ex- expected growth, how do you feel about him? versus others in pass pro or RPO type plays in 12 versus 21 type. So, I mean, RPO types, I mean, that for him, that's just a run pass pro. I mean, I thought Chris Tyree did a pretty good job last year in pass pro, especially later in the season. He had a really nice blitz pickup. I think it was the Oklahoma State game. So I, I think he get, he's gotten better at that. I think he'll be fine there. I think he'll be fine in pass pro. I'm not worried about that. RPO type plays, I, I mean, if you're talking about him getting the ball more, we saw that in the Fiesta Bowl. In regards to the RPO types, I mean, it's just 12 and 21 personnel. It's just him. It's just him running the ball. I mean, it's just him running his fakes, I should say, or carrying out his run action. If the quarterback can pulls, he just continues his run action and picks somebody up. But look, I, I think Chris Tyree can be a big time player, big time player. And we had a we had another question about him that I'll I'll try to find that was there kind of during the chat that I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to find. I tried to find it again, but it didn't get starred. So I, I wasn't able to see it again, but that he's a kid that to me, he's a kid that to me, I would um, like to see get, be more of a focal point. Now focal point doesn't mean 20 touches a game. You know, I think 10 to 15 minimum, you know, 10 minimum, but to 15 touches a game on offense is kind of really where I would like to see that one. Carl Bremer with a super chat. I'm going to try to find Carl where you actually you you didn't put your question in there. I, I don't see it, but I saw that your question got you didn't finish typing. So Carl, I wanted to thank you for the super chat, but also just tell you, hey, just just put in down there what you wanted to say, and then when we see when I see it, I will uh, I'll pull that up. Okay, because I, I know sometimes that happens. Uh, you know, you you start to type something in, and then you get kind of booted, and I've had that happen before too. So. But I do appreciate the super chat and just whenever, whenever I see your question, we'll go ahead and grab it. All right. And I, again, I, like I said, I, I appreciate that. Appreciate the the super chat very, very much. Ryan Schulte says, Hey, Brian recently signed up for the premium board and really love all that, all that they all it provides. Can you elaborate on how the coaches are maybe utilizing 
the next couple weeks in prep for the spring. So a lot of the next couple weeks, honestly, is going to be about is going to be about um, I think a lot of it's about relationship forming, you know, getting to know these guys beforehand. It's going to be about kind of going over how practice is going to go. You know, the next couple weeks is going to be about, you know, hey, look, here's how we're going to do drills. Uh, here's what the expectations are in regards to how we go about our day. You know, when we're on the practice field, we're doing this. We're going from here. We're going to there. This is my expectations. And then it's going to, for the new coaches, it's going to be about, you know, they're going to have to learn the new te- terminology, the new the new concept, so that they go out and teach it. And I think those are those are the things that I think are going to be important for the staff really the next couple of weeks is just what's your foundation, right? How do you want drills to go? If you're Chancey Stucky, I mean, a lot of a lot of the work you're going to do is going to be about this is the drills we do. And and here's here's what I want out of the drill. And here's here's what I want you to do. And here's the expectations. I mean, you know, no running around. I mean, no walking around in practice. Like you finish your rep, you're you're coming back. You know, it's not a full sprint, but you're hustling back. You know, whatever your expectations are you're setting that standard. And then once the standard is set for just how you go about your business, that's when you can start working in, okay, here's the concepts we're running. Here's this route. Here's that route. Here's this other thing. I think those are the things that you can kind of build in as, as they get more work in, but it's just about laying the foundation is, is really where you want them, where you want to, where you want to be. All right. And um, let's see here. Sparkling Swan's a good question. Are these the best back-to-back recruiting classes of the last 20 years, looking at 21, 22, and 23? Potentially 23. I think that's the key part, though, Sparkling Swan, is the potential part. They've got to finish. You know, if if they do what I think they're going to do, then, yeah, I think I think you're right. We've seen Notre Dame land some really good classes. You know, the 2013 class was the best of the Brian Kelly era, but then 2014, you know, had some great players in it on the offensive line. You had some other good players, but then – you had some big misses. You didn't get a running back. You came up short a receiver. You know, there were some misses in that class as well, and it just wasn't a complete class. In the 2012 class also had some really good players in it, but you had too many misses, right? And then you could go 13, 14, and 15. 15, same problem. You had some really good players to spots, but you you signed some, you know, Jerry Tillery to tackle and a couple of – but you didn't sign a single defensive end in the class. You came up short in numbers in the secondary. So there were always these big holes, Right. The 2021 class had some holes, but the 2022 class has largely overcome those. And then the 2023 class is, you know, potentially nailing it. So I I think it has a chance to be, I think it has a chance to be the best, the best three-year stretch that we've seen in a very, very long time. Has a chance to be, but they've got to finish first. That's going to be the key. That's going to be the key. All right, Keith Wiegand says, if Buckner shines the next three years, are Moore and Vizina willing to sit for two years? So they would, I mean, I don't know. I would imagine so. I think they understand that if they come to Notre Dame, they're playing behind another really good quarterback. But, you know, if Tyler Buckner shines for the next two years, it's not a guarantee that he's going to be back for three years. But, yeah, you if Tyler Buckner's a great quarterback, most – quarterbacks will be fine sitting behind them if they're out there winning because they know their time's going to come and they know they're going to get a chance to go out there and play. So I would imagine so, but in today's era, you never know. You really never know how that's going to go. You just, you're asking me to kind of 
not that you're asking me this, but like it would require me to read the mind of a 16, 17 year old kid. And I just, you know, I just can't do that. John Mayernich, correct me if I'm wrong, but Fisher only played one and a half games, so he didn't lose any eligibility, correct? You are correct. He technically last year was a redshirt for him because the rule used to be if he would have played in a bowl game, even if he only played two games, his eligibility is done. You can't play past a certain time of the year. They got rid of that, thankfully, and it's just four games now. And he clearly played less than, than four games. So that would be why he did not lose eligibility. I don't think it's going to matter. To be honest with you, I'd, I'd, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if if he was a five-year guy. I'll be a little surprised if he's as good as we as we think he can be. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a three-year player as opposed to four. I'd, I'd be really surprised if he's a five-year player. Five-year player. Somebody, uh, Will Chisanek says, Did, didn't Brian just say Dante is visiting March 4th? I might have said it. That's not who I meant. Chris Vazina is visiting visiting March 4th. I don't know when Dante's going to be back on campus again, to be completely honest with you. So if I said if I said Dante, it was me misspeaking. So let me make sure I'm I'm clear on that. It was me misspeaking. If I said that, I it was it's Chris Vazina that will be that will be uh on campus on March 4th. And then the 18th is the first weekend of spring practice. Spring practice, as far as I know, starts on March 17th. And um, that is that is supposed to also be a big recruiting weekend. That Saturday and Sunday is also supposed to be a big recruiting weekend as well for Notre Dame. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, John A1, in November of 2022, who do you think will be playing better football, Tyler Buckner or Caleb Williams? Oh, I would probably, I'd probably guess Caleb Williams simply because he's in an offense he knows, which, you know, obviously Tyler Buckner knows his, but he'd have more experience. But I'd say probably Caleb. It's look, I think Tyler Buckner could be a star, and and I don't. I, it wouldn't completely shock me if the answer was a, a, around. But I don't want to get into the situation where, like everybody knows, I'm I'm high on Tyler Buckner. Everybody knows I think Tyler Buckner can be a star. Everybody knows that. I, but I also don't want to get into the situation that we had last year where people start putting unrealistic expectations on him, and then by if I said yes, and I said Buckner here, if Buckner's not playing better than Caleb Williams. Then it turns into some people are gonna be like, well, it's disappointing, and he's not lived up to expectations and all this other kind of stuff. So, you know, part of me, John, is I just don't want I just don't want to get into a situation where you set such an unrealistic bar for him that if he doesn't win the Heisman this year, it's disappointment and you're ready to bench him for Dante Moore. And you and I both know with some circles that's gonna happen. So could he be outplaying Caleb Williams? Sure. Would I put money on that right now? No, I, I I definitely wouldn't put money on that right now. I need to see the kid start a game before I start saying he's definitely going to be better next year by the end of the year than than Caleb Williams, who's a good football player. Ken Pluto, I'm not curious about the quarterback situation specifically. I am curious what Notre Dame tells Vizina. Moreover, what do they tell any recruit that wants to commit and Notre Dame isn't ready to accept? Normally, they just tell them the truth. I mean, in most instances, they just tell them the truth. Hey, look, we love you. You think you're a heck of a player? But, you know, we've, we've offered this kid first, and we told this kid we would give him a chance to, to make his decision before we took any other commitments. And, and I think that would, be, um, that would be the way to go there, if, if you're not going to take his commitment. Again, I've given my opinion on this and what I would do, but just so we're clear, if it, I believe, based on di- talking to different people, that if, 
if Chris Vizina came to Notre Dame in March and wanted to commit, they would take his commitment. That's my understanding on it. Now, could they have other conversations? Sure. That was a lot of speculation, as I made very clear. That's what I would do. Uh, the beginning of this, of this show was about what I would do, what I think they should do. It's not what Notre Dame will do. It's not me telling Notre, telling you what Notre Dame is going to do. It's what I would do. But I think I think if he wanted to commit, I'm confident that they would take his commitment. As long as, here's the thing, though. It would have to require him not to take any more visits. If Chris Vazina wanted to come commit to Notre Dame and then go visit Clemson and Georgia still, they would not take his commitment. I'm pretty sure about that. And that's what happened with Jackson Arnold. He wanted to commit. Notre Dame wasn't ready to take his commitment for another a number of reasons, but also he wanted to take visits. And they said, no, you take if you want to take visits, then take visits and then decide afterwards is kind of the direction that they went on that. But I think with Vizina, it would have to be if he was ready to go, if he was ready to jump into class, if it was like, hey, this is what I'm doing, this is where I want to be, I'm not taking any other visits, anything like that, then I, I do think, however, that they would be more willing to take his commitment at that point in time. Just that's how I think it would go. Timeout, Tom. Do you think Alexander Ehrensberger is quick enough to be Foskey's heir apparent? I don't. I think he's more of a big end than he is a viper, in my opinion. Joe Aribe, is there a high school prospect who isn't on Notre Dame's board but probably should be? I mean, it's hard for me to say that because I know there's some guys on the board that that that, that they like. The problem is, Joe, is there's usually other reasons why they're not on the board. And that's something that 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 I have learned over the years is I would say, man, you know, why aren't they recruiting this kid more? Why aren't they recruiting that kid more? And I'd be critical of it early, very early in my tenure doing this. Like, you should be recruiting this guy, that guy, the other guy. And then, you know, you get to know coach. And you're like, hey, listen, man, we like the kid too, right? But here's the deal. He's got a 1-9 GPA, and he hasn't taken this, this, and this. Or, look, we try to recruit the kid, and he told us he's not interested, right? Or they're, the kid's on the take or whatever the case may be. So you, you try to be a little bit more, hey, let me do some research on this. But, you know, I think right now it's also so early, it's so early, Joe, in, in this this whole deal that we're looking at this and saying – you know, a lot of these coaches have been on the board, on 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 the staff for just a couple weeks. They're going to need some time to sort of evaluate the board and see who see who's out there. So there's there's there were some guys that will jump on the board that are not there now. I think my concern would be my disagreement would be more of a hey this guy should be up more up higher you should like this guy more as opposed to guys who are are not on the board. This is great from Paul. Rosie O'Donnell, League of Their Own, Mike Drop. Paul, that's a great one. She was really good in that movie. Uh, I, I very, very underrated part of that movie. And I, I loved that movie, by the way. So I know, I don't know what you all think of it, but uh, I was, I was definitely, I was definitely a fan of, uh, definitely a fan of that, of that movie. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie to you. I did enjoy it. All right. Get down here. So we got that. We answered that one. Kevon over under on big plays in the run game this season. I'll set it at 15 and I'm going over. I think we'll see big plays off stretch and inside zone like we did in 15-17. I guess part of my question would be, Kevon, is what do you consider a big play? For me, a big play in the run game is anything at least 20 yards. If it's at least if it's if we're talking at least 20 yards, I think I'm taking way over. If we're talking big plays being anything over 40 yards, then it's a little probably a little, I'd probably go a little bit on the under. I think. In 2017, if I remember correctly, I did some research on this. I'd have to find 
I'm switching over computers, so I don't have the file on the new computer that I have, so I have to find it. But I think it was something like, I think it was something like they had 11 runs of at least 50 yards in 2011 or 17, which was the most. And I mean, I don't see this group having more than that. So I guess part of it would be would be determining kind of what do you consider a big run. I mean, for me, if you if you recall a run play and you get more than 20 yards, um, uh, to me that's a that's a win. Uh, that's definitely a win for me. So there, there's there's no doubt about that. Jim Linton with a super sticker. Jim, thank you very, very much for that. I appreciate that very, very much. Get down to some more questions here. Keith Wiegand says, right now, who do you guys think the real, four realistic wide receivers Notre Dame will get in the 2023 class? Part of that, Keith, is it depends on the quarterback. I think Cardinal Tate's realistic. I think Braylon James is realistic. I think Rodney Gallagher's realistic. I think Rico Flores is realistic. I think Malik Elzey's realistic if they want him, and I think Ronan Hannafin will be realistic if they decide to play him at receiver. So I think right now, of that six, you could find a group of four from that group that I think uh, would would fit in into that group. All right, Brent Smith, do you th- do you believe the lack of offensive players currently signed is affecting Keon Keeley, Peyton Bowen, and some other big time signees? No. Like the the school that everybody's worried about with Keon Killies, who Alabama, right? Alabama has one kid committed in their class right now. One Notre Dame has twice as many offensive recruits as Alabama has in their entire. Oh, I'm sorry. They got a second commitment this weekend. So Notre Dame has as many offensive kids signed as Notre Dame, as Alabama has completely signed. Uh, the only people worried about n- the number of players Notre Dame has signed on February 23rd are, are fans. I mean, I'm just being honest. It's not a shot. It's just, you know, the defense is doing so well that people are panicking, but you have no context. And that's the problem that we're, we're losing the discussion is, you know, we, we say, oh, gee, they only have two guys. And we're comparing it to, you know, what what the defense does. Well, if you're worried about it from this standpoint in regards to, you know, oh, are, are worried about losing kids, look, Clemson has one kid committed to their entire class. One. Ohio State has five total in their entire class. They only have three guys on offense, only two on defense. Alabama, I believe, has two guys committed in their entire class. Georgia only has six guys committed in their entire class. It's not like Notre Dame has two guys, and all these other teams have like six, seven offensive commits. Notre Dame has two offensive commits. That's two more than Alabama. That's one more than Clemson. It's one fewer than than Georgia. That's one fewer than Ohio State. So – it's not it's not a concern at all for me. Plus, most kids are smart enough to know that part of that is it's a brand new staff. I mean, literally, there's one returning coach from the offensive staff last year. So, I mean, I think that's that's a, a part of this. ICURN with Irish Luck. Who has a stronger arm between Vizina and Moore? Who is the most accurate QB? Who has the quickest release? Basically, how would you compare the two? I'm pulling this up because I want. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna answer it right now uh, because we're gonna talk about that tonight at eight o'clock p.m. Tonight, we are doing our film room, our Wednesday film room st- show at eight o'clock Eastern. So you'll get a chance to to hear us talk about that then, and uh, we'll have plenty to say about that then. But um, we'll, and we'll show film so then we can show it right. Like and that's the thing I like about that show is we can kind of say here's what we think, but here's the film to kind of show that this is. This is why this is why we believe what we believe. Okay, so make sure you check that out tonight at eight o'clock. Justin Herbert, the super chat. Thank you, Justin. Player comp, Jaden Lamar, Kyron Williams, compact, good speed, shifty, tackle breaker, good receiver. Agree. 
I, I haven't watched a ton of Jaden Lamar to the point where I'd be comfortable with that with a comp. I see where you're coming from, and you're not alone. I've had three or four different people whose film break breaking down ability is something I respect, and each one of them has made a very similar comp to you, Justin. So I think I think you're onto something. I can't agree with you simply from the standpoint of I just need to see more of Jaden before I'm I'm comfortable saying that, but. I, I know some people that would definitely agree with you who, who I believe are good film evaluators. So absolutely. Super chat from Benjamin Karchi. Thank you, Benjamin. What do you guys think about the coaching staff? I'm getting excited about this year coming up. Are you guys going to do a breakdown after spring ball or fall camp? Uh, Benjamin, we did a breakdown of the coaching staff on Saturday, this past Saturday. So uh, I would encourage you to watch that show. Uh, we'll always do breakdowns of everything after spring ball, fall camp, all that stuff. We'll always be evaluating, and here's what we think. And, I mean, 12 years into his career, I was evaluating Brian Kelly. So we'll always have that. But in regards to just looking at the first coaching staff, I would say check out the show Sean and I did on Saturday for Irish Breakdown. So uh, we, we went in-depth on the seven new coaches, who has the toughest task, and just really spent a lot of time on that. But, uh, look, I understand your excitement. You should be excited. I think Marcus Freeman, and, and again, I would encourage you to read the articles I've written at irishbreakdown.com about all of the coaches because, you know, I, I wrote an article saying that I think Marcus Freeman absolutely nailed his first coaching staff, and I explained why. And we also have some shows about it as well, so I would encourage you to check those out. Christopher Morgan with another Super Chat. Christopher, thank you very much. Does this make me weird since my last non-home game was in 2012 because I am a home season ticket holder? Win or lose, we should have, all have a beer together before coming back home. Go Irish 22 and 23. Um, well, I don't drink beer, so uh, but if you're okay with me drinking a Mountain Dew or a water or something else like that, then I'm all for it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to meet up with people at the Ohio State game. I mean, obviously, I grew up in Ohio, so you know, I have a lot of family that are Ohio State fans, but we, we shall see. Of course, then, after I left Ohio, I moved to Virginia. Super Chef Merrick O'Brien. Virginia stand-up, 804 is greater than 507, but where do you see the window for the most success? You know, you just you just had to go there with the 804 being better than 757. I mean, you know, but look, I appreciate your super chat, and it's okay to be wrong. Eric, you're allowed to be wrong. I'll forgive you for it this one time. I think where Notre Dame is going to have the greatest success from a recruiting standpoint is in 804. It's from Richmond on up because the sad part is in, in Virginia Beach and Chesapeake and Norfolk and Portsmouth and those areas that make up the 757, Hampton, uh, Newport News, it's harder to find kids that have the academics to get into Notre Dame. Sad truth. I mean, and Virginia Beach would tend to, at least when I was coaching in the region, Virginia Beach would tend to produce more of those type of kids uh, academically, but they just don't produce as many big-time players as they used to. Uh, but, like, the Oscar Smith kids, just it's hard to get in with those guys for whatever reason. I don't quite understand why, but, you know, it's just it's it's seven five seven is a much tougher it's a much tougher area for Notre Dame to get into in my opinion, the fit isn't great, up in Richmond and then up to Northern Virginia, there's a lot more Notre Dame type of kids up there in my opinion, meaning academic fit care about academics or interested in that, it's a it, it, it as much as I'd love to see seven five seven kids come to Notre Dame, there's just not a lot of them that I think would be great fits for Notre Dame in my opinion. Uh, B. O'Donnell with a super chat. Thanks. These shows make it enjoyable for to drive for a living. If you guys could add a few more shows a day, I'd appreciate it. Uh, question, is there an IB tailgate for the Blue and Gold game? IB Nation is the best. We are going to have some sort of tailgate, even if it's just a simple, we're just there with a tent. I mean, even if it's just something simple like that and we're not really providing food, 
it will bring drinks, but in some form or fashion, we'll beat the blue gold game. Uh, I don't know how to the extent to which we will do a full tailgate, but we'll be there. We'll definitely be there. So uh, we, we look forward to meeting, meeting a lot of you all for that. That'd be a lot of fun to kind of get everybody there and, and uh, meet some more of the people that we didn't meet last time, but then meet some of the people that, uh, you know, that, that we, that we've met before and get a chance to see them again. So that's always fun. Always fun. Last couple. Uh, I don't even know what that one says. Lilo Galante, maybe, perhaps. I'm not sure. Uh, Brian, what are the chances of Notre Dame landing Osbury, Jaden Osbury and Samuel Mpemba? So I don't think the ch- chances of landing Jaden Osbury right now are very good. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to get him out of the South. However, in March, he is, as of right now, he's scheduled to come up for the weekend of March 18th. That's going to be his second trip on campus. If he makes that trip, I'm going to feel a little bit better about their chances because, again, it's more about he's a great student, great football player. Clearly, he's connected with the Notre Dame staff to the point where he's making a second trip on his own dime. That's telling to me. And and it's going to make me feel better if he actually makes the trip that they've got a shot there. But he's a heck of a player, man. I mean, he's really, really good. And so it'd be nice if they had a chance. It just It's hard for me to predict they're going to get a kid out of Baton Rouge to come to Notre Dame. And it's not just even going to go to LSU. Just those kids don't often leave the South. But if they were to get, it, get one, he'd be the kind of kid that he would because he's a phenomenal student. He clearly takes academics seriously. His brother did as well. Uh, his brother signed with Auburn. Not because academics just was the best spot for him, but like – this is a family that clearly is being stressed at home. You know, this is part of this is an important part of this too. It's not just about football, but it's also about you know educating yourself and taking the academic piece seriously. And it appears that that the Osbury boys both were that way. And, and I think that's partly why Notre Dame's in this game. Can they can can they get him in the end? I, I'm I'm going to be skeptical for at least a little while longer. Samuel and Pemba, I think they got a, a legitimate shot at. They've led for him at one point in time. You know, I think it's just about convincing him of where he's going to play, and 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 or if you don't have a spot, convincing him that that's okay and that's a good thing. But I, I think they have a much better shot with him than they do Osbury. But it's going to be interesting to kind of hear the feedback after if Osbury makes that second trip. I think that's going to be a a very very uh, interesting conversation. Keith Wiegand also asked Brian, "Do you like Vizina or Arnold more than Vizina?" And my answer is no. Chris Vizina is definitely the number two quarterback on my board. I I think Jackson Arnold is a really good high school football player. Uh, I think Jackson Arnold is a was a really nice pickup for Oklahoma. I think he's a nice player. I like the kid. If Notre Dame ultimately got him, I wouldn't I wouldn't be sad about it. I just would say, you know, I just say to me, I just feel like it's a situation where they just need to do better. That's all. I'm, I mean, I don't. I don't know if I can really say a whole lot more than that. They just, they need to do better in my opinion. So they just, they need, they need to do better than him in my opinion. Last couple of questions and we're going to get out of here. All right. Scott gives a super chat. Thank you for that. Scott very much, Brian, given the recent events around Harbaugh and the obscene amount of money going to some coaches, what are your thoughts concerning the state of coaching in college football? Scott, I, I well, number one, I, I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with the money going to coaches. I mean, I think coaches, everybody talks about, look, players are important. You need players, right? But at the end of the day, 
I think coaches have as much, if not a bigger impact on the state of your program than players do. And, you know, coach, coach, kids don't coach themselves. And if they did, they wouldn't be any good. I mean, there's a reason there's, there's a reason coaches are what they are. And so I, I have no problem with it. And coaches have to do a lot. I mean, the, my concern with coaching in college is, and I've thought about doing an article about this. I just never quite, I've never quite gotten to it is, the thing for me, Scott, is I'm more concerned about the mental well-being and the spiritual and the relationship well-being of college coaches because of poor decisions made by the NCAA to make it a basically a 12-month recruiting calendar, essentially, where even when you can't be on the road, you have to recruit. I think the nature of the of the recruiting calendar is such that you these coaches are just being they're just grinding harder and harder and harder. And I think it's unhealthy. It's an unhealthy grind. It's why you're seeing a lot of college coaches go to the NFL. Cause look, the NFL is a grind. And I, I've talked to some people that, you know, no NFL coaches. I've talked to a couple NFL coaches over the years and they're like, look, NFL during the season is a grind. I mean, it is managed. You're there all day, but in the off season, it's a nine to five. You're going home at five o'clock. I mean, cause coaches aren't on the road doing scouting and evaluation. I mean, sometimes, but for the most part, that's the scouts. That's what they do. You'll go see your top players. You know, Al Golden talked about being here a few years ago to see Tavon Coney and 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 Drew Tranquil. But I mean, he came up from you know, what did he come from Detroit? It's like a two hour drive, from two and a half hour drive. I mean, it's you'll go to things like that. But you know, you can be a dad in the off season as an NFL coach. You can be a husband in the in the off season as an NFL coach. It's a, the, the the rules are making it incredibly difficult to do two things. Number one is to be able to be more focused on your family. Number two the 12-month recruiting calendar makes it even harder to you to fully invest into your team the way that you need to because you're constantly recruiting. And so I don't know what the answer – part of the reason I haven't written an article is I don't know what the right answer is to fix that. You know, But I think something needs to be done because you're going to start losing more and more really good coaches, especially with this NIL stuff. It's like, man, it's not worth it. If I'm going to have to deal with basically professional athletes because – these kids are getting money. I mean, some of these, there's going to be college kids making more money than their position coaches. Don't think that's not going to mess with some teenagers' heads. I don't have to listen to you. You know, and and, and you're going to see more and more of this with this. Trans- hey, you don't do this, I'm going to leave. If you don't give me this, I'm going to transfer. If I don't do this, if you don't play me, I'm going to transfer. And now with the, with the always had those threats, but it's like, okay, fine. You want to go sit out of here, go sit out of here. Now it's just, they're going to leave. It's like if I have to deal with this, I'm just going to go pro, go coach in the pros where I'm dealing with professionals who actually are more mature and better prepared to handle things. And you may not like it, but you can't just up and leave because your feelings are hurt. If I yell at you at practice and I hurt your feelings, or you don't put into work and you're not starting this week, you can't just go up and emotionally leave because you do that in the NFL, you can't transfer, right? You've made a you're in a contract. So we're going to find you and you, you give us some of your money back. So I, I think that's part of the reason you're losing so many good coaches is because it's like the NFL is just, it's, it's an easier job than college now from a time standpoint, not, not from just time, just focusing on the time you can have more of a life now as an NFL coach than you can a college coach in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Last one, Blaine Tiller. I asked the, this poorly earlier. When it comes to RPO, do you prefer Tyree or other running backs? And does that change in 12 versus 21 type schemes? No, it does. I don't have a, I don't prefer either. I, I think they can all handle that. I think they can all perform well. 
I think to to your point, Blaine, are there certain advantages that that maybe um, that maybe a, a Tyree can have in an RPO in that you know if you're running stuff out of you know out of eleven personnel RPOs, right, or even ten personnel or eleven personnel with guys out wide, things like that. You know, then then you could get into a situation and say, hey, um, you'd like Tyree more there because when you're spread out, you know, we're really putting that overhang defender in a bind because you know we're we're gonna we're gonna read this guy, we're gonna be able to get that combo block up here. You know, with Tyler Buckner, you can read the end as well, so that really puts you in a pickle. And then if that that overhang player starts to really sneak in, then we're pulling and throwing. But if we're having success with the RPO game and we can keep that overhang defender outside. As long as we can get up to the second level with the the offensive line, you get that ball handed off to Chris Tyree, and if he gets through the first line, that guy, that overhang player, is not going to catch him. That's six, right? And we saw that with Josh Adams with the re, with the read zone stuff and Brandon Wimbush back in 2017. Whereas in 12 personnel, you know some of those advantages you have in the spread sets with Tyree maybe aren't quite as much there with him so maybe that's where you may like a logan Diggs or a or a or a audric estimate a little bit more but i don't think it's a situation where it's it's um you know where it's a i don't think it's a situation where oh you got to take chris tyree out in 12 and 13 personnel i don't see that i don't see that at all i don't see that at all Uh, so a couple things here real quick Laker Irish, any updates on Tamir Robinson? Yes, we have one on the front page at irishbreakdown.com that Ryan Roberts wrote today. I would encourage you to go check that out. A couple other quick things. Joe Morano, hi, Indy fans. Can't wait to see Notre Dame in 2022. When is the Blue Gold game scheduled? In Europe right now, but always ready to hop over. I have many friends in South Bend. So, Joe, the uh, Blue Gold game right now is scheduled for April 23rd. It's a Saturday, April 23rd. Uh, Christopher Morgan with another super chat. Thank you, Chris. That's my soda. I will bring the dew and ribs. Now we are talking, my man. Now we're talking. All right, Smoothie Wallace, when you say on your board, are you referring to all recruits nationally or on the Notre Dame board? So I'm always referring to Notre Dame, like guys that are on the board for Notre Dame. So like when I talked earlier about the quarterback, I, I specified that when I said that Chris Vazine is number two on my board, I followed that up with, who Notre Dame, so I'm not talking about Malik Malachi Nelson. I'm not talking about Arch Manning. I'm talking about the guys that are on Notre Dame's board. He is my number two quarterback on the board, ahead of Nico, ahead of Jackson Arnold, ahead of Avery Johnson. He's my number two on my board, and my board is the guys that I believe Notre Dame is actively actively recruiting. So, uh, thanks for asking that. I kind of feel you know uh, make sure I clarify that at this point in time, but uh, that's what I'm referring to. Brandon Plesner says, Brian, thoughts on Javier Toviano? Have you watched his film? Apparently, Notre Dame will get an official visit for him. I've watched his film. He's very talented. I, I don't I don't see Notre Dame being a player there. I think that's a pipe dream. Um, you know, maybe he takes an official, maybe not. I'll believe it when I see it. But no, I'm not. I don't see Notre Dame being a, a player there, to be completely honest with you. Um, and yeah, Brandon asks, you, you know, I know he's very talented. I haven't broken him down, broken him down. I've watched his film. He's he's very he's very talented. There's no question. But again, I just don't see Notre Dame. I don't see Notre Dame being a player there, to be completely, to be completely honest with you. So I'm just gonna go through here real quick and uh just see if there aren't any other questions that I missed, any other super chats that I missed here. So just bear with me for one second. 
I think I got to them all. I just want to make sure that nobody gave a super chat that I miss because I always feel bad. I always feel bad about that. And, uh, and then people bring it up later. And like I said, I feel bad about that. So let me just go through here. We'll talk about the coaching staff. We got Christopher Morgan. And I never saw, I never saw the follow-up from the gentleman earlier that we were looking into. Let me see here. I never saw your follow-up question. Let me get to this. I think I got them all. I think I got to everybody's questions today, which I'm very happy about. So I appreciate everybody being a part of it. I appreciate y'all working with me today on the sort of the impromptu super chat, Carl Bremer. Carl, I did not see your follow-up. That's who it was. Um, So, yeah, I... uh, I did not see a follow-up to that, so I wanted to try to answer your question. But I do appreciate the super chat, so I, I do appreciate that very much. And I think I think that's it. Yeah, we got to everybody. So as I'm going to go back down, make sure there's nothing new that popped up, and uh, see what's there. So and, and so Will says, apparently Notre Dame will be one of five official visits for Toviano. Again, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, but look, I mean, I hope that he eventually gets on the board. But right now, I'm just, I mean, I don't, I don't see that being a realistic option. Uh, look, here's the deal, guys. I'm not always going to be right, but I'm always going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to give you the, I'm going to say this about this recruit because I think it's going to create gen- clicks and interest, but then I can walk it back in a few days or in a week or whatever. I'm, I'm always going to be honest with you guys and and about where things stand. And if things change, I'll tell you that things change, but I'm not going to BS you. I'm not going to spin things. I'm not going to tell you that I think Notre Dame can get a kid that I don't think they can get, even though he's a, because I think Javier is a, a five-star a player, right? And if I were to jump on that board and say, hey, it got a shot, and then let's do this article, let's do that article, and it's going to generate money for me, but that's not honest. At least honest meaning that's not how I see it. Other people may have a completely different opinion. Somebody 247 or rivals are on three may, may have a feeling where like they really feel they're going to get this kid. And so they're talking about, that's fine. I'm just saying I'm not. And so since I don't think they're a legitimate player there, I'm just not going to spend a lot of time on them as of right now. When we do the film breakdown at the corner, we'll talk about them, but I'm not going to kind of hype it up. And then knowing he, they don't have a chance. And then when it comes to the point where we all realize they don't have a chance, say, what? you know, things change. You just like the other, I'm I'm not going to do that to y'all. I'm always going to be honest with you guys. And, and that's just, just how I'm going to be. So I just, right now, I don't think that they're a player for him. Um, I just, I, I don't. Last couple of questions. K-Mac, thanks for the podcast. Go Irish. Thanks for, for being a, a part of it. So uh, we're going to talk quarterbacks tonight at 8 p.m. So there's a couple of quarterback questions that we have on here. Um, we'll discuss those guys. And if you have some questions about other 2023 quarterbacks that we don't discuss tonight, we're going to talk about Dante Moore. We're going to break down Chris Vizina. We're going to break down uh, Jackson Arnold. We're going to break down Nico. We're going to break down Avery Johnson. So I think those are the five right now. Um, and and if you guys want to ask about other quarterbacks, hey, what are your thoughts on Arch Manning? What are your thoughts on Malachi Nelson? You know, we can talk about those tonight. So we'll, we'll discuss those, those tonight. And then to answer Brandon's question, are we still going to have a mailbag on Friday? Yes, we will. This is sort of just an impromptu because – you know, I don't have my schedule up yet. I didn't want to just kind of force a topic. There's just not really anything right now that like we got to talk about today. So I figured it would be cool for, um, you know, just to kind of do an impromptu mailbag. So since I didn't have anything that that was like really pressing that I want to get to say, hey, look, we'll talk about what you all want to talk about. So 
um, that's where we're at. No, I don't. I wasn't planning on talking about Marcus Stokes tonight, but if you guys want to talk about him and bring him up, if you're with us tonight, we'll we'll, we'll discuss it a little bit. But he won't be part of who we're going to break down. He doesn't have a scholarship offer yet. If they offer him a scholarship, we'll break him down at that point in time. So, uh, and Joseph, thank you for the kind words on the show. I appreciate that. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Had Ryan jump. Ryan jumped on us for a little bit. Vince was doing the producing early on before he had to to bail. That's why Vince wasn't on the show today. He just kind of went through, brought up some questions, started a bunch of questions, but he had a meeting he had to get to. Ryan did as well. So this was a lot of fun, everybody. I really appreciated it. As we kind of get into the spring and, and especially during the summer, we'll have more of just these just mailbags. We may not have a, a subject, but we're, we're, we're going to starting tomorrow. We're going to have a lot more at irishbreakdown.com, a lot more of our spring preview. I'm going to go for position previews, breakout players, all these different type of things we're going to do, you know, um, you know, who's the breakouts, who's got to step up, who are some sleepers to watch, you know, position battles. We're going to do all that stuff. So that'll really ramp up tomorrow along with Ryan and Sean doing a lot of the recruiting stuff. Ryan has a recruiting update on uh, Tamir Robinson on the board. Now I've got a couple other, he's, he talked to uh, the Marsh kid, the thing, he's a 2024 kid. He's got a story that he sent me earlier that I'm going to edit and get up today so we got obviously have a lot of recruiting stuff going on but really tomorrow we're going to ramp up a lot of our on the site a lot of our spring preview stuff because it's less than a month away practice is going to start in less than a month so I'm, I'm excited about it so you know what are the key questions there's a ton of stuff going on so my concern is am i going to have enough time to get it all done and get it all out before spring starts so that'll be a lot of fun that we'll get into uh we'll get into starting tomorrow and then of, co- of course a lot of our podcasts when we're not talking recruiting, we'll be about prepping for the spring. But today was just was like, I didn't want to force an issue on you guys. So uh, guys and gals. So that's kind of why we went the direction we went today. And I thought it was fun. A lot of great questions, a lot of great questions from people, including a lot that I didn't get a chance to get to, but I couldn't do a full three, four hour show today. So I uh, just got a lot of other things going on. So appreciate everybody. Hey, stay locked into irishbreakdown.com. Give us a like, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast with your friends. Tell people about what we're doing, right? The best way to grow is organic. It's you telling your Notre Dame friends what we're about. Had someone sign up for the board and said, hey, look, I was skeptical to join Irish Breakdown because people said this about you and people said this about Irish Breakdown and and this, that, and the other. And then I joined the site and I realized they were wrong. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of haters out there, right? And there's a lot of people that buy that stuff. If you have friends that you know are Notre Dame fans and they're not on our site or they're not listening to our show, tell them about us, right? Because that ultimately is is where we're going to grow, and th- that's the growth that I want. It's the organic growth. It's not coercing people with a dollar for this or that. It's like I want you to come be a part of what we're doing because the content is great, the product is great, and because we're always going to be honest with you all and uh, and and treat you like family. And family's going to disagree sometimes. Family's not always happy with each other, uh, but we always have each other's back, and we're always going to be honest with each other. And that's what we're building. It's been a lot of fun, but we need you all to spread the word to uh, the rest of Notre Dame Nation so we can get more and more people a part of our podcast, a part of our website, a part of our message board at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Sign up if you haven't already done so. Uh, And and look, there's a lot of excitement about Notre Dame, like Johnny S. says. A lot of excitement, and we want to be able to talk about that 24-7, and the message board is the best place to do that. So the rest of my crew is not here anymore. It's just me. So for Brian... The rest of my crew that is now off doing other things, hopefully chasing down recruits and doing all that kind of stuff. Thank you all so much for everything that you do. We'll have more details on the the blue gold uh, tailgate as we get closer. It's still two months away. We'll have plenty on that then. 
Uh, but uh, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, we're going to break down the quarterbacks on the board. It's going to be our Wednesday night film session. We're going to break down quarterbacks this week. We'll jump into receivers next week. So very excited about that. Can't wait to show Dante Moore's junior film and Chris Vizina and those two guys especially. Uh, and then to explain kind of why I like Chris Vizina more than Nico and more than some of these other guys. We'll get a chance to to do that as well tonight. So I cannot wait to do it. And I will definitely catch up with you all later. So everybody have a great rest of your day. Get your rest in. Make sure you've had your dinner and you're all prepped. So by 8 o'clock Eastern, you're ready to, to jump on the show and rock with us. So have a great rest of your day. And thank you all so much for joining the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.